0: Uh, we have Ranji Singh Ji joined us from Azadism and um, he's doing an amazing job. by is from UK and uh, he is running this project and is trying to awareness our community and giving a different perspective from a uh, economic side and uh, just talking about Sikh statecraft. And uh, so we'd we'll like to welcome Piiubji on our Discord server, Pii welcome to Discord. And uh, Sangat is here, and uh, we're just waiting for a few few more people to join, so we'll be starting in like two minutes. But Paisabji please feel free free to share a quick, uh, quick intro or your background.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for guys for joining and listening to this uh, sort of talk on Azadism. Uh, I mentioned to George Singh Baji that I'd like this to be more question answer based, more discussion format, because there's a lot of content to cover in Azadism. Um, it covers a lot of different topics and stuff within it. Um, so it's a bit unfeasible to try and go through exactly everything in there. So it would be better actually just to do a question answer. But I'll give an overview of what Azadism is and everything. Uh, but obviously, I'll uh, give a bit of background about myself. So, as Baji mentioned, I'm from the UK. Um, I sort of started this project around when lockdown started. So I was working from home um, and I started, uh, I came across Milton Freeman lectures on YouTube uh, and I just started binge watching them. And then at the same time, the Kassan Murcha was happening. So um, I was comparing what was, I was learning from those lectures to what was happening the Ghassan and Things weren't quite adding up. Um, and then as I got more into the literature around economics and learning about the different schools, of thought within economics and uh, all that sort of stuff, uh, then I sort of realized like, how powerful of a tool economics is to analyze that situation and understand what 's actually going on um, and then provide some potential solutions that are grounded in reality um, so that 's basically how I sort of started getting into this sort of subject area um, and then a thing happened where I debated this um, well there's this talk going on by a guy called uh, professor Breham Singh he 's a Oxford Brooks professor um, and he 's a marxist and he basically gave a talk on the Qasar Morcha. Uh, it was like on Zoom or something, um, and I reached out to him to actually debate him on socialism versus the capitalism concept. Um, and at that point, I was already quite confident then I heard quite a lot of the arguments at that point. Uh, we watched so many debates and uh, debating myself with others. Um, so that debate I had with that professor was quite one-sided. He found it very difficult to debate me back. Um, and I had already heard most of his arguments. So what he said then was, because it's so difficult, I don't really, he doesn't really understand what my position was, even though I understood what his position was. So then he told me to uh, just write my views down on, a, uh, uh, in, in, on an essay or something. Uh, and I agree you guys. that was a good idea. I'll do that. I'll write it down and we'll get back in touch. Um, at the same time, I was debating with my personal sangha as well amongst the things as well. We have these vachata. Um So I started sort of writing down basically uh, how I interpreted Sikki uh and used as a measuring stick when i was uh, looking at economics uh, when i was looking at things like capitalism social these kind of things um and then that essay i sort of got carried away and it ended up being the azadist manifesto turned to a book um so i took about a year-ish to write um and then i started that instagram page um unless you haven't guys seen it already it's this one azadism official um i do recommend following it and stuff because um a lot of the manifesto that I've written, all the sections i summarise summarized on here, it's so a bit more like a visual format. Um, and then I've also got like extra for child as well and other topics and stuff related to these things. Um, so this basically became a platform in which um, I just discuss Sikhi you know, statecraft uh, from a Sikh perspective. Um, I don't proclaim to be an authoritative voice on this subject matter. Um, this is purely all how I'm seeing things, my perspective on it. <clears throat> The same way, if like uh Singh Bangu writes about itahas uh, and Sikhi and stuff in Pant Prakash, uh, that's from his perspective. He's seen that same with Suraj Prakash. Suraj Prakash is a really good example because you can you can feel Gavis and talking, spray for the Guru uh and Sikhi and stuff in, in that literature. So it's the same I sort of thing. I'm mean mean
2: to... the...
1: Go on. But yeah, so essentially it's the same thing. But, um, uh, well, not the same thing, obviously i way better than this is, the, the manifesto is. But um, this sort of same approach I'm trying to go with this. Like, this is my understanding of the key, and applying it to my understanding of economics. Uh, and this is basically what's come out of that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's basically a bit of a background to me. I, I usually avoid giving too much details around like who I am or what kind of stuff purely because the reason that my argument should hold more weight than the mouth that says it, like <laughs> I could be some like random guy from Japan or something, uh, and saying these things. Like I oh, couldn't even be a sick, but the argument itself should hold more weight than the person who says it. Um, so that's why I try to separate the self, or the the individual, from the actual set of ideas. And the ideas are here to um, be adapted as well. So if, if any of you prove me wrong on things, uh, because Azadism <laughs> is essentially something I've made up, I could, I had the freedom to change it, right? So um. I encourage disagreement and debate heavily uh, in order to do that um, and I have changed my position on certain things since writing the manifesto one of them being blockchains I used to be like a big like fan of it now I'm not too sure <laughs> and maybe that's because I lost a lot of money in crypto but uh, but yeah there's those kind of things uh, so I've changed my mind over time um, and we can get into some of that stuff later on if you want to as well but uh but yeah that's a, a bit of a background um George, do you want to we, uh, start the actual um, content of the talk?
0: Yeah. You can definitely go ahead and start with the actual. Yeah,
1: hesitation. sure. So, um, so, this is the website of Azadism uh, that accompanies the, the manifesto, the Azadist manifesto. Uh, you can read the whole book on this website for free and download it as PDF and stuff as well. Um, so, yes, yeah, so Azadism, the tagline I've got here is Six Statecraft and Economics. Uh, So, Zardism introduces a framework to promote the flourishing and prosperity of existing and and hypothetical states and nations. The Zardist Manifesto introduces the political-economic philosophy of Zardism as a Sikhi-based alternative to authoritarian ideals and central planning. Um, So what I'll do, actually, um, instead of going through the entire manifesto, um, I'm probably just going to give you guys a a, a general overview of what it covers. And I'll do that first by actually just reading the definition of Zardism. So it's basically Azadism in one paragraph. Um, so I'll do this, uh, but but don't get too hung up on the jargon right now. We'll expand that uh, as, as we progress. So what is Azadism? Azadism as an economic and political system that encourages limiting the role of government to upholding the non-aggression principle uh, and preserving property rights. This takes the form of four main roles, namely national defence, policing, justice system, and tax administration. Uh, the control over a nation's economy is gradually transferred away from the state control to the people directly where both parts are adequately independent of each other. Initially administered under a decentralized castle confederacy of missiles over time the role of government can be further reduced and replaced entirely by the private sector. Um, Some of these words in this definition, uh, alarm bells may be ringing in some of your guys heads depending on how you've uh, your preconceived notions about regarding these things so what a lot of the manifesto does is actually go through and makes the definitions clear what a lot of these things are um, in order to destigmatize a lot of it and actually put it in context of what it really means, um, which we'll get onto in a bit as well. Um, so this next thing I'd like to read out is Azadism in 500 Words. Um, it basically covers the entire manifesto, uh, what, what all the sort of uh, main arguments are uh, at a high level. Again, I do recommend reading the actual manifesto for a more comprehensive set of arguments. Uh, but this will give you a general overview uh, of what is covered in the manifesto and what Azharthism's uh, philosophy is all about. So um, so self-interest is a driving force for the vast majority of human behaviour. Incentives should never be underestimated in their importance in influencing the uh, choices people make. By getting, uh, by getting the government out of the markets, the, prospect- the propensity for the state to create perverse incentives is drastically reduced. Uh, respecting people's personal freedoms and the right for them to transact with each other freely and, volu- and voluntarily ensures the self-regulation of markets. This way, no central planner is needed as the market itself adapts to shortages and surpluses uh, via the price mechanism and doors of supply and demand. The only time in which a state may need to step in is in to ensure the protection of the market by punishing those who break the non-aggression principle. Again, this is just an important concept, right? The non-aggression principle. Uh, I'll define it again so uh, also I define it here so this is the idea that anyone is free to live however they want to uh, as long as it does not impede the right for others to do the same Um, so the example I give in the manifesto for this is basically if a chemical company dumps its toxic waste into a river uh, and that river is used by a farmer to irrigate his crops well that farmer's not consented to have his crops poisoned and the people who are going to eat those crops have not consented to be poisoned right so, there is a jurisdiction now for the state to step in uh, and rectify and, uh, that situation. Uh, so, what we can say is happening there is that that chemical company has breached or broken the NAP. Um, and so, all the law in society then is based upon the non aggression principle. And what the government's role is to do then do is determine where it's been broken and how to rectify and prevent uh, and, uh, uh, and, and give justice to those who've been wronged by it. Um, So, this is the idea. To further this, innovation best arises when private entities are free and unhindered to compete in an NAP based environment. Not only does this advance human potential, but also protects the consumer from monopoly exploitation. Monopolies only exist with the aid of government through lobbying or other means of corporate welfare. Uh, Nationalization of industries is just another form of monopolization in which the state takes control of the production of goods and services. If you're not aware what a monopoly is, a monopoly is basically uh, well, it, the literal meaning of a monopoly is basically one one company controlling the entire industry. Uh, but usually today, people use it more uh, to refer to large market share organisations. Um, so Ambani and Adani, these would be examples of uh, monopolies. Um, this inevitably leads to uh, uncompetitive entities that are funded by taxpayer money, not voluntary transaction based on performance as they are paid regardless of output or demand. Therefore, the price mechanism fails. The price mechanism fails and inefficiencies arise uh, as well as a, compl- a collapse in innovation. Taxes are inherently unjust. It is state-mandated theft. Taxes under azardism uh, would be reformed initially before being removed entirely in the long term. Meanwhile, a negative income tax, NIT system, or UBI. Uh, universal basic income should be implemented to provide the safety net uh, instead of a corporate welfare state uh, a corrupt welfare state that perpetuates poverty and takes away opportunity minimum wages too should be replaced by an nit thereby putting pressure off small businesses and onto the state to provide living wages private charity replaces much of the social security function that the state formerly would have provided the state must be, must be reduced to these four functions initially to be classed as zarvist uh, and that's one national defence, two policing, three the justice system and courts and the fourth thing is tax administration. Uh, from this the state could gradually reduce its ro- role and further limit itself out of existence in the long term. Alongside this a gradual trans- uh, transition must occur away from uh, taxes to a savannah-based system. Combined uh, with a well-armed populace a class of government is an ideal candidate to administer this process of handing power, uh, handing power back into the hands of the people and away from tyrants, they could only be, uh, they could be organized as a decentralized missile system made up of many competing groups, each with their own specializations and Red mariade. Finally, contracts provide a method of private governance by allowing different groups uh, to set their own laws on top of the NAP-based law system layer uh, that is voluntary to participate in. Uh, agal so I put the agal in because I said it's 500 words and that was 499 so I have to add that in but yeah so um, that's in 500 words what azadism is and I appreciate that's very dense uh, if you're not already aware of a lot of these things to begin with but uh, the way you're going to sort of learn these concepts is by sort of reiteration and and keep uh, going back to them so what we're going to do now is go back to the definition uh, read that again but with the context that 500 word thing so an economic political system that encourages limiting the role of government uh, to upholding the non-aggression principle. Again, the non-aggression principle means um, uh, the right to live however you want to live as long as it does not impede the right for others to do the same uh, and preserving property rights. Uh, So property rights are a very important concept uh, in general. Uh, So the whole way you can even have the non-aggression principle to be enacted in the first place is if you recognise that Things own People own things. Um, so, for example, if somebody comes into your house and start, uh, stealing stuff or whatever, stealing stuff or whatever, uh, yeah, stealing stuff or whatever, then obviously they're bre- breaching your private property rights. Um, sorry, give me a second. Yeah, so they're breaching your private property rights. So, if you don't have a set of private property rights, you don't understand. Okay, what is owned by this individual? What is owned by that individual? Then what you'll end up with is a system of tyranny and oppression where anyone can just come in and take your stuff and you have no sort of uh, grounds in which to uh, protest that. Um, So where's it it gone then? So this takes the form of four main roles, namely national defence, policing, justice system and tax administration. The control of a nation's economy is gradually transferred away from state control and to the people directly, um, uh, where both parts are adequately independent of each other. Now, that's crucial, that bit where I'm saying they have to be independent of each other. So people have this idea. When I say private sector, people tend to think of like greedy, fat, obese, businessmen being private sector. But no, really what the definition of private sector is, is that part of the economy that is independent from the state. Uh, And the opposite to the private sector is the public sector. Um, That is basically the public sector is the, the part of the economy that is controlled by the state. Um, so what is the private sector? It's not just big companies. In fact, lots of big companies are no longer private because they collude with the state uh, via lobbying, uh, which is a part of a greater, greater, uh, wider thing called corporate political activity. Uh, so as soon as you collude with the state or you bribe the state or you lobby the state or the state is, uh, nationalizes your industries, that is no longer private. Now that is now public or at least at the very least hybridized. So uh, one good example of this is the American healthcare system. Everyone calls that private healthcare uh, system, where that's incorrect. Is isn't a private healthcare si- system, the U.S. government actually spends more on its uh, uh, healthcare system than the UK does, and the UK is meant to have a uh, completely nationalised healthcare system. So the fact that the government funds it um, and has all these uh, sort of schemes and influence within it that 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 diminishes its, its uh, status as private. Um, when the government is no, has no say into it at all no influence at all, that is when it's truly private. So what are examples of that? Well this this right now this organization of us in this discord chat this is a private effort there's no government overseeing this or anything um apart from the obviously the discord mods but that would be a private government because you do not pay tax to them it's all voluntary to com- uh, participate here um unless they're all forcing you <laughs> but th- that's essentially what the difference between the private and the public sectors are uh, and it's very crucial to understand that because even the gurus themselves were private individuals they weren't state individuals they were absent they were they were independent of the mughal state and they actually fought hard to maintain that distinction and one of the best examples of that being is guru Tegh Bahadur shahidi where he fought for the private uh, rights for individuals to choose and live uh, the lifestyles that they choose not the one that the state tried to mandate upon them um obviously that being the kashmiri pandas being free to practice their form of um hinduism right um, so yeah, so that's always been, remember that as well, even longer as well, I have a whole section in the manifesto devoted to that where I say, longer is a private effort, it's not a public effort. Um, and we have to really understand and get over these uh, negative connotations of these terms, because if we're not accurate with our language, we we'll won't be accurate with our solutions. Uh, and a lot of the reasons why we have so many uh, 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 efforts of misinformation, even within the band, but also in society in general, is because people aren't using the words as their meaning uh, correctly. Um, And those words get polluted and then uh, falsely attributed to other things. So one very good example is of this is capitalism. So capitalism is basically uh, just is purely a system of economics where the private sector manages resources in the economy, uh, not the state. Um, However, people when thinking of capitalism, they think of corporatism, uh, where large large businesses. uh, collude with the state or lobby the state and they implement policies that are in their favour that's not capitalism because as soon as a company starts doing that it loses its private status so it's very important we get these terminologies and these language correct because if we're not accurate with them uh, then you can't be accurate with your solution you have to you have to define the problem first accurately if you want a good and relevant solution, if you're not understanding the problem then how are you going to solve the, uh, the, solve the problem um, and the last part of this is the initially administered under a decentralized Castle confederacy of missiles um now this is something that comes right at the end of the manifesto and to be honest i wouldn't like to go into it in too much depth because it requires a lot of preliminary knowledge to really appreciate what's going on here um so it's basically an an alternative to um democracy and dictatorships and this sort of thing um but to understand how it arises uh, and what how Azadism sort of tweaks it to sort of uh, fix the problems that occurred with the last time, um, you, a lot of the manifesto, then section one, two, three, and four, keep outlining this concept of decentralization, competition, economic competition. And then by the time we get to the missile section, you'll understand all the preliminary knowledge uh, to, to appreciate actually how would that actually work in reality um, and then account for the, some of the risks with it. But yeah, so we can go to it later on. Uh, if you guys have questions about it um but yeah that the reason why it comes right at the end is because there's so much stuff you have to learn beforehand to get to that stage um over time the role of government can be further reduced and replaced entirely by the private sector so again yeah so when i'm saying replaced entirely by the private sector i'm saying the government phases away you don't have a centralized government like how we how we have it now so one thing i say in the manifesto is that people aren't used to a system where they don't have a one one government managing everything uh, it's because people have, have developed a Stockholm syndrome uh, for government. So after thousands of years of being under the system of like, either a monarchy or a dictatorship or a democracy, people don't know any better, don't know what's the alternative. Uh, and we're in a unique position in history now where some of these things are now being conceptualised, but the people still need to get over that barrier in their heads. What does it mean to live in a society where there is no one central government? Um, and by the end of the manifesto we'll start visualizing what that looks like uh, and how it can actually be quite realistic. Um, but yeah that's, an, that's pretty much a high level overview of what Azadism is. Um, what else have I got here? Um, so at this point um, I'd like to open it up for questions and answers. If if that's enough uh, for you guys to go off and give me some questions and answers that's fine. questions uh, are relevant uh, and i've got slides to visualize some of those things but yeah that's that's pretty much as an overview what Azadism is it's a it's a it's an economic and political philosophy based upon Sikki. so Sikki is basically the measuring stick i'm using when i'm assessing these concepts um, and Azadism is what is what, what i've labeled um those concepts i've and and packaged together uh, so yes there's others in basically an economic political system uh, that prioritizes freedom of choice uh, and minimal government interference in the society uh, and that what we believe is going to be the most uh, um, conducive to progress and prosperity uh, and reduce the chances of uh, of tyranny um, yeah so any questions
0: if there's a few of them i'll go with one by one okay um the first question we got was what can be done on an individual level for Khalsa Raj?" right like um like what can we do on an individual basis like uh, once we know we know that we have the info and like okay we'd want to do something then what's right. the first step we should take and like how can we go forward with that
1: yeah so uh, this is a good question i had it a co- couple times actually so far as well as in starting the project the issue with this question is that um is it's, it's what what this so azadism right um is a, is a multi-phase project so what we're going through right now is the phase one of this which is the Prajara stage where all i'm trying to do at this point in time is uh, educate everyone on what azadism is and sort of raise the level of discourse in the um uh, regarding statecraft because right now what we're doing as a panth is we the whole discourse around azadi can be summed up in two lines that's Wow, wow, we're oppressed, and wow, wow, we need a state. But no one really goes beyond that that much, and that's that's pretty frustrating. I and mean, that's the reason why I started this uh, project as a way to try and answer those questions myself uh, and then present it to these guys who are doing the slogan um, But as expected, they don't want to have anything to do with actually filling in the details, they just want to do the sloganeering But that's fine, whatever. I mean, it's not fine, but that is what's going on right now. But what Azadism phase one is trying to do is say, at least, are we on the same page with the vision before going on to how we do implement it? Because the implementation question is very different. And that so those sort of conversations should not be held uh, publicly. Um, and they shouldn't really be held that much, to be honest. What, if you want to implement uh, this vision, you should just really just do it and just show it through like, your actions. Um, and this is what I want to try and do with the phase two of Azadism, which I'll planning on releasing publicly what that is later this year um, but yeah that's what can you do on an individual level so I've mentioned this uh, a couple of times through the post on Instagram because obviously that answer is not that satisfactory to most uh, is actually just build wealth um, so in, the, in today's a, a day and age right that, that, that common saying you might have heard money is power that's never been truer because if you understand what money is, money isn't just paper and and, and, and metal coins in your pocket. What money actually represents is that if you pay someone to do something with that money, you trade the currency in your pocket for a particular product or service, you're communicating that I want labor to be diverted uh, and resources to be diverted to fulfill this particular demand. Now, the more money you have, the more power you have to divert labor to fulfill your demand. Now, that sounds quite like, um, sort of like, oh yeah, power hungry, whatever. But it really is, because that's what money is. It it diverts power. Um, So people in this world, again, this is one of the things I have with, an issue I have with the whole, like, um, attitude towards Zadi right now is that we're so fixated on trying to get a Sikh state, we're forgetting where power in the world really is. It's not with countries. Uh, or it's not just with countries, I should say. Uh, it's actually with corporations. You have corporations these days with more influence than some countries combined. Uh, why is that? And some of these guys, like Jeff Bezos and whatever, they didn't start from like royal families or anything and inherited uh, billions of wealth. They built it, and it, a lot of them had similar backgrounds to us. Um, now you might disagree and stuff with them uh, on how they behave and stuff now once they're billionaires and stuff. But it's undeniable that the reason why they've got a lot of influence or power in this world is because they gained a lot of wealth. And if you look at certain communities, like the Jewish community, why are they so overrepresented in very various different sectors? Like even with the Nobel Prizes, they're like like 4% of the population, 0.4% of the population or something, but they make like 25% of the Nobel Prize winnings. It's because their community has understood where power is in the world and they've geared their communities and they've had a set of ethics uh, and um, a set of values and stuff they've embedded in their families that if we acquire wealth, we're able to uh, change the world around us to be more in our, um, uh, more accordance to our vision. And that's what really you as an individual can do as well. You, can have, to, you have to gain and build wealth. Um, so, But if you're going to do that, you have to be cognizant of the fact that your siki has to be strong. Uh, and so that you don't fall into the uh, to greed and, and attachment and, like, kaang fiolung hoang right? So to, do, to, to build wealth, you need two things, right? As a sikhi, you need two things. You need your sikhi, you need to have a level of bhagti, but you also need to have a level of understanding how the world works. To, to gain wealth in, in any society and throughout history is that you have to provide, um, you have to gain skills that people are willing to pay for. Um, if you don't have, uh, if, if, if you're having some skills, That's why when you go and learn like programming or, and, uh, or very specialist careers like engineering, etc, they're very specialist skills not everyone can do that. Um, and when you're going to go to those fields and you go and you get higher up in those fields, your pay tends to get higher and higher as you become more specialized or you become uh, a better experience because you're hard to replicate. Um, and this is why it's in some of the top organizations, those people who are making the most money and stuff, most wealth. in those organizations are people who are being there for a very long time and they know the processes in that company in and out. So if that guy leaves and the company's in a, a lot of uh, is, has a lot of problems, so they, they incentivize him to stay by paying him a lot. Uh, and it's the same thing with business as well. So if you're self-employed as an entrepreneur, the only way you're going to be able to sell your product is if you're fulfilling some sort of uh, need in society. Um, So if you want, so it's actually part of the first section of the manifesto is self-interest is that everyone's acting out in their own self-interest. They all care about their self-interest first. Um, We're not living in Satyug, we're living in Kalyug where Humme is the norm, right? That's the base level you start from. If you ignore that, then don't be surprised why you're not getting anywhere. So if everyone's acting out of self-interest, then even if somebody is greedy in the system, then the only way they can satisfy their self-interest is by providing something of value that other people are willing to pay for. Um, And that's the core of any of this. Even as an employee, this is what you do. You trade your skills and your labor and your uh, experience uh, for a salary. Uh, And as an entrepreneur, you do the same thing, but you also collect other individuals of skills and you bring them together in order to solve a particular problem in society. Um, And obviously, a lot of these problems may seem trivial to you, like the iPhone, right? Like what, what problem does Steve Jobs solve? uh well he actually catered towards many people's desires and people were more willing to have an iphone in their pocket than i don't know, like a thousand pounds of their money right so they trade that thousand pounds for an iphone or however much it, or however much it costs right um and that's essentially how you as an individual level how we as a bank need to restructure ourselves in our thinking um that we need to understand that how does wealth get built how do we acquire wealth and then how do we make sure that our Sikhi is strong enough that we don't get corrupted by that wealth? So Maya is this tool or you can be used by Maya or you can use Maya. But it's up to your, your, your level of Bhagdi that determines which way it goes to. Um, but yeah, that's what you can do on an individual level. Build your Bhagdi and then build your wealth. And then <laughs> then the opportunities start arising. Um, on a Bantik level, so the thing is with the Bantik level as well, you see a lot of these... Um, like panthic organizations and leaders and representatives keep banging on about this idea of Ekta. Now, I've never been a big proponent of Ekta because I think it's very superficial for people to say, let's have these surface level compromises uh, and get nothing done. If you had an organization or a business where at the top level and the executive team of that, and they always just say, okay, let's have Ekta, no point disagreeing with each other, let's put the disagreements aside. Now, nah, you're right, that's fine. Ekta, say Ekta, say. You'd never get anything done right? Because you just it up with the yes men. Uh, but what you need to make change is have a really hard reality check of where the bottlenecks are and how to solve those bottlenecks. If you don't know how to do that, you won't get anywhere. And we as a panther are not getting anywhere because we're not holding our organisations accountable. Um, and then we're, we're just pretending to ignore d- deep disagreements with each other. And to be fair, a lot of these disagreements aren't that deep. Um, it's just that people have attach their egos to things to such a deep level that they don't like being questioned uh, and that's very uh, anti-progress um, so what can we do at the bandic level is forget this ideal of Ekta and actually just build something first of having an Ekta first approach have a results first approach if you provide something of value again to the Sangha to the band right then up be, like naturally those people who uh, recognize the value in that will join you and the ekta amongst those people, even though there is less people, will be far stronger than ekta between many people if it's surface-level compromises. And that's the, really the mindset I'm trying to approach the with. I don't really care if the whole fund sort of backs this or not. Um, I, don't, I don't really need everybody to back it. I don't really need a lot of people to back it. I just need enough. Uh, and, and while that's good by now, that is happening. A lot of these people are coming forward, and people like yourselves are interested. Uh, and it's a it's a good sign, um, but that's what we can do as a band. Th- is, 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 again, to reiterate the point: build your bag deep, build wealth, um, and produce results. And that's how you start making changes. Um, any collective effort that we that might help. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. So, if you want to make a change, think on the individual level rather than the collective level. There's a really good quote actually. I'll probably post it on my Instagram later if uh, if I remember. But it's like there's this monk right and he was like saying I want to change the world I want to change the world and then he realized you can't really change his world then he felt like then he said okay well I'll change the country I'll change my country and then he realized he can't change his country and he goes okay well, instead I'll just change my my town or my community couldn't do that and then I'll change my family he couldn't change his family and what he did was change himself by changing himself, the, his family naturally saw that change, and then, then themselves changed, and then, then the family changed, and the community changed, and the community changed, and the country changed, and the country changed, and the world changed. You've got to start from the individual individual level, start with yourself. Um, which is a lot what Azadism is about, because the main thing Azadism isn't saying is like the society should be structured like this, the government should make this policy or that policy. The majority of Azadism is saying actually the government should leave people alone. Uh, it's, it's basically it's it's a fancy, Azadism and, and this this sort of philosophy is a fancy way of saying just leave me alone. And when you leave yourselves alone and you focus on yourselves then that's when the change happens so hopefully that answers that question might be a bit long-winded but yeah that's that's uh, that's my answer
0: um so i think uh, i think you probably answered this but so as you said you know like building wealth right and then like you know get, get those um uh, skills you know that, yeah. that might be helpful right so i think that was the next question that if that is the case, then what kind of skills or stream that you think would be needed for the
1: punt in the upcoming time or people should invest their time or effort in? Um, yeah, really good question. So if you look at the trends in society now, where, where are the most like um, the sort of like innovation stuff happening? And a lot of that is in technology. Um, so learning to program and code. So this isn't like as <laughs> my personal opinion. But uh, yeah, I think learning to code and program, like learning Python and stuff, it's never been easier to learn these things as well. That the whole internet, all these resources. So at university, I studied accounting and economics. I didn't like either of those topics at the time, uh, so I didn't actually become an accountant or an economist. I became a data a data analyst, and I just learned to code in my own time and I learned the softwares. Um, I got myself a job that paid very little. In order to learn the uh, the uh, get experience, and then I work myself up, and I'm I'm doing uh, managed good by now, doing quite well. It's because I've learned that okay, there's a gap here. There's a demand is for data science and data uh, and uh, the data analytics skills. That's where the gap is. So that's where I geared towards my skills, and then I built it there. So that's one area, data, and uh, in programming in general, software engineering is a very good field, um, and also fields anything to do with like science and innovation to be fair fair as well. There's a lot of it's a growing industry of um uh, what's it called, uh, space travel and these kind of like rocket scientists or whatever or these kind of things. So there's a lot of these opportunities, you just gotta go out and find it. So the one that I found was this whole like techie sort of side of things. But there might be other ones as well, but it's something that you have to find yourself. Uh but in terms of what would be useful for the punt, any of these skills would be useful for the band. Whatever you do, be the best at it. Um, so often what happens is right i remember i was feeling like this when i first started working was that what the hell am i doing i've got like four or five shots under my like shirt here and i'm wearing a suit and I, I'm, I'm supposed to be out here fighting muggles i'm here fighting spreadsheets so obviously it's a bit disheartening but if you have to you have to realize right that whatever you do you've got to be the best at it uh, and when you're the best at something you become irreplaceable and then obviously wealth will grow but also your influence will grow people come to you for advice and they see that uh, as reputable and then by having a single a very visual sec in those positions it's inspiring for others and it's inspiring for your position uh, amongst other society it builds relevancy so i did a post on my instagram not too long ago uh, about seats are irrelevant and uh, i show and i really recommend everyone to read it because it shows the cost of what happens if we become irrelevant as a community uh, you end up with having like what happened with that Jogi Johar guy is that like, he's been arrested held without trial and we've been protesting for how many thousand days now at some point um, and nothing happens because we the community have very little relevancy nobody really cares to fulfill our demands but by our, but if we get ourselves into positions where we ascend and permeate the system seeks everywhere, we are the decision makers we are the people who are crucial for the society to function then our boycotts will actually mean something um, and now, already now we Sikhs aren't uh, in a position where we're not relevant in that, in that level. We are actually quite successful as a community. But we need to combat narratives that saying progress is evil or like working in the cigar is like anti-Ziki or something like that. You've really got to understand that this, the game we're playing today requires relevancy. It's this whole idea of real politic. Um, that's what you really need to do and the skills you need to learn um, and, and just be the best at what you're doing.
0: Um, I think myself, that, that post I have read through there is pretty informative if you want to just give it a, m- give just a big elaboration on like what exactly means when you say that six are not, or six, six are irrelevant, and yeah. specifically like, you know, like in, in a point where, as you said, you already said that our community is pretty successful,
1: yeah. but
0: we're missing the part that people who are getting successful um, on the way they're, they're, they're not as puntech anymore, and yeah. they are more like, you know as you said you know because of the pakti right if there's not enough pakti, then you will get corrupted by the system that you are right. trying to change
1: yeah yeah 100 I- i'll show you the, i'll show you the post i i'll probably go up here somewhere um i'll go through it actually if you want now not like in too much detail i do recommend to read it but um yeah the whole idea of the post was that what do you mean by when i said your seeks were irrelevant well back in the day yeah, but like um, the things going into Delhi, and they're like pressuring the Mughal em- emperor to like build a godda here and dial that that thing thing down, do that right. We we, got, we had such a, a sway and influence in, in the geopolitics of uh, India and and, and the, of the time. Um, our demands, what demands we made, were took seriously. That's not really the case anymore. Evidently, as I showed the Singh Joel example and other things, right. Um, but we're also lagging behind uh, in terms of leading the world this century. So there's, there's various sort of industries like the artificial intelligence revolution, the whole space travel, the renewable energy uh, sciences, and even spirituality. You have so many of these um, like interfaith boards and everything uh, going on. Like even recently in Harvard University, you've got like monks from the Advaita Vedanta tradition um, who are helping like, all these neuroscientists and top philosophers and in, in, in grasping certain concepts about consciousness. Where are our lot doing that? That should be nice. We've got far more superior philosophy um, than Advaita Vedanta. And so we've got Gita themselves talk about critique of Advaita Vedanta. So we're not in the spaces where we should be in order to lead the world uh, uh, um, in this century. And that, that's very disappointing. Um, and what's happening is that the, these world governments like the US and stuff, there's one guy called um, Henry Kissinger, many people don't know who he is but uh, some people do but if you don't know he's basically an american diplomat um, and he's behind a lot of the uh, uh, the foreign policy of the u.s um very strategic mind borderline evil guy but it's undeniable that the his he's very influential um he sits behind a lot of the presidents and stuff um but yeah so there's basically this um uh, this interview that get, he gets done with his biographer and he basically just reveals um how does henry Kissinger think And he thinks uh, he thinks through politics in this thing called real politics. It depends on your economic relevancy. If your country is not producing much economic value or doesn't have much political sway, you're not really relevant to the U.S. in that much sense. So your needs and stuff are secondary to other things. So this is basically the things that are happening with our community right now, because they're not producing that much economic value. We are individually, but not as a community. So we don't have a community, a collective demand to things that are hold any sway. So when we boycott something, it's not like it makes a big difference. The government's like, yeah, well, so what if you boycott it? Like The whole uh, boycott the police and, and seek God's order in space and stuff now. Like Fair enough, yeah, I get the motivation behind it, but it's, 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 it's largely ineffective. There's no, you can't leverage that as a strategy. Because um, for one, half the band don't even do it. Uh, there's only a few people that do do that. That, that hold that boycott and the police are going to be like well yeah so what if you don't want our services it's just less work for us right so it's not very strategic Um so this post basically then goes on to say that if you want to have if you want to um um sort of uh, get your your interests met you've got to appeal to the self-interest of others Um and you go and uh, that's very like counterintuitive to think about that if I want something I should go and ask for it directly and be direct for it but not really that's not how the world works you if you want something you've got to show the other person how is it in their benefit so what can we do then so you basically to serve your own self-interest you've got to serve the self-interest of others the same way i was saying earlier about the market system in terms of an entrepreneur providing something of value the, the entrepreneur wants money right he doesn't want the products he's producing he wants to give them away He don't want to give them away for free he wants money in exchange for it Right, So you produces something of value that people want, and then people want it, so they give up the money in their pocket for it. And the same thing we've got to do with politics. If we want to do something in terms of making a change in this world, then we've got to offer governments and stuff uh, something that's in their interest, whilst also furthering our own interests. Um, and how did you do that? Well, then those are the conversations that should be had more privately than publicly um but that's the sort of thinking we need to be going about this. we can't just keep bashing our, our heads against things and uh, face things head on all the time these tactics don't work anymore we're not we're not fighting battles by jumping on horses and stabbing people uh, stabbing our problems away you've really got to be strategic in this day and age even more than before this you're fighting bureaucracies nowadays not monarchies you don't chop off the head of the leader and the, and the whole like the, the system falls apart no this you're fighting a hydra you chop off one head another one grows right so you can't attack it the same way very different way you've got to do uh i mean even in Maharaj's times they would realize this if you read like like to the bani and stuff you'd realize actually how strategic Maharaj is being that you don't just fight problems head on there's so many sakis around it i'm, I'm going to be doing a um a little mini series of posts on the pecan and these different they showing you exactly what these uh are and Hamala just giving you this lesson of if 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 you're fighting your head on on things don't work, then try out outflanking the opponent or trying a different way or or do a bit of jiu jitsu, right? Give it a little ground to take a lot later, right? So these are sort of tactics that Casa and stuff should really be implementing, but we're not. Our panthic leaders and our panthic organizations are just keep bashing their heads against things and they're wondering why well, why 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 is there no uh no change? And I'll say <laughs> me myself have actually offered them okay well I'll give you some uh tactics and strategies let's, let's sit down and think about how alternative we can do it they don't want to hear it because what's happened now is people have attached their egos to it again I mentioned earlier and if you if you if, you, if people can't admit that they're wrong and if you can't admit that you're wrong then you can't change if you can't change then you won't get results if you can't get results then there you go you're just, you're just stuck in the problem as we are now um so yeah obviously um I'm not on the best of terms with the National <laughs> Sikh Federation so the rest of the post is basically just calling them out um, so yeah if you're interested you can just read through that um, but yeah one of the things that the, the claims that they make is that um, if you work in the government uh, you're no longer a Sikh um, and I think that's pretty ridiculous to reduce Sikhi to such a uh, you know, such a brittle level um, and if you, if you think about it a lot of Guru Sikhs have worked in with the government and with the government when it was strategic to do so especially the Gurus themselves like, it was one famous example when Mara sent uh, Castle Forge to support uh, Bahadur Shah and his army, right? Uh, obviously, he's, he's obviously still a Sikh, right? And obviously, they got this, um, the whole uh, Mara and Jesus Singh would send uh, Nahang bodyguards to the Nizam of Hyderabad, uh, elite bodyguards as well. And obviously, they would be working for the state. And this is this image here is, is an example of that guy, uh, uh, pictured then, obviously, was <laughs> saying the post, it's like, imagine these guys going up to this guy and saying, you're not sick Sikh, right? So obviously it's very it's very watered down very simplistic and a very emotionally tied way of looking at Sikki and very brittle um and if a Sikki is not uh, the understanding of Sikki is so broken to begin with and obviously no wonder then a lot of their strategies are not uh, having the impact that they think it should have but um but yeah the the, essentially the end of this post is basically going that you have to use the right strategy for the right summer the right time not that you can't use the same tactic every single time when when the, when the situation changes, then you've got to change as well with the situation. You can't keep using the same tactics over and over again. So a lot of this nostalgia we're having for militancy and uh, and uh, armed revolution, while well, SICK, yeah, very cool, right? It's very inspiring and, and, and drawing their time completely fair enough. That was the survival situation they were in. That was the solution they found. And thanks to them, we have now today space to manoeuvre, right? But we'd be idiots, uh, and, and it'd be a, it would be a insult to their legacy if we just go off and then repeat those same strategies. What we need to do now is understand the opportunities around us, leverage them, and build upon those sacrifices, not just go blindly do them again for nostalgia's sake. And it's not even like nostalgia for your own actions. A lot of these guys advocating for it, they themselves never fought fought in those things, uh, and they sit comfortably on the other side of the planet advocating revolutions in other sides of the planet. It's a very very faulty way of looking at the world. But um, the Alternative again, as i was saying, you'll use the right strategy for the right summer. Um, and what's the last thing? Isolation versus infiltration. So, back to that first question a little bit is like, how do you increase your relev- relevancy? It's not through this policy of isolation of don't work for the cigar, don't work for the companies, don't wear a suit, don't become successful, profit is evil. All these things are anti prosperity, right? Uh, and what you're doing is basically shutting off your community, uh, to anything and and. and even if you study economics and stuff, you quite quickly realize this idea of isolationism is very detrimental to the progress of your community. Um, and there's quite a lot of examples of this uh, where those societies that were located further inland tend to do worse than the societies were located on like rivers and, and shorelines and coasts and stuff like that, because they'd have harder access to trade routes, harder access to uh, outside influence. Um, and obviously this is one of the reasons why Siki was so uh, successful is because it was, situated on the um on the border of the subcontinent of india and then all the whole islamic world and stuff so it's basically a hotbed of ideas um but by isolating yourselves and you don't get progress right so we need to not isolate ourselves you need to infiltrate the system infect the system and i think i say what do i say here i go um might not be in this post but it's like this idea of you've got to infiltrate it uh, assimilate within it and then ascend it uh, and by doing more people with a bantic background and stuff in those positions then you have a far greater level of influence and relevancy in order to make changes um yeah so um, the, what i say here is like wherever you, you can get to the top right win the nobel prizes become the ceos invent and innovate new technologies right there's nothing stopping any anyone even in this discord chat to becoming the next elon musk or the next jeff bezos nothing stopping you lot right but what is stopping you lot is attitude saying that uh Making money is evil or making profit is evil, and that kind of stuff. That thing will stop you making uh, having success and uh, there's a really good quote where um uh, I can't remember who said it, but basically it was the idea that the disdain for money is a ploy to keep the poor people without money and the rich people with money uh, so if you, if you if you're going to test this then that's what's going to happen and
0: and we um, yeah, have that I think that's an amazing analysis specifically on this uh point um, yeah. the other um so the other question specifically with the, the the problem, I would say like maybe there is a solution for this. Like specifically when we talk about infiltration, right? So, for example, like we have there's a person who is a sick and he thinks like, you know, we should do something with the punt and he follows this route of like, you know, infiltrating a system, which means like he goes in a corporate world, strives towards it, gets a better position and while he is getting there, right? Yeah, somewhere in the middle, he's he's now in such a position we have to f- where he's also trying to like impress other people like his colleagues or maybe higher ups as well. That is, yeah. he is reluctant to put forward the Panthic Soj or like mm-hmm. to speak about Panth, right? There's yeah. two, three questions that are, have came that are pretty similar to each other. Like, for example, like Ajay Banga, right? He became like the, oh, yeah. I think the new, um, for example, world, uh, I think something, I'm
1: something, something, maker, I think he was. Yeah.
0: yeah. And yeah. then, you know, like we have Daljeet, we have Rupi, Kaur, we have other of these main big, um people who are known as Sikhs but you know like just like so-called like n- n- for, just for the name of it right namesake six, six, six and like well like yeah, that's what people call them right so then like all these different strategies and so the first question would be like what would what, how do we stop or what can a person do like when they're going to this gun, if their mi- mindset is to infiltrate the system mm-hmm. but how to not get corrupted by the system at the same time right because that, yeah. there is, there's always that danger that lies there
1: yeah um, yeah, and it's a very valid concern because um, you do, do you get some people who are panthic, right get to those positions um, and also I know some of these guys and they're, they're very like a lot of love for Priya but they get fed up because they themselves then get pushed to, to the side by so called Panthek organizations themselves. That's, that's one element. Uh, but another element is that Sikhi has been watered down a lot since uh, colonial times. Um, so a lot of people's understanding of Sikhi is very distorted. Now, thankfully, this is changing. Um, and I effort, a lot of efforts are now uh, as this, a lot of information is going online, where this new generation of Sikhs, if compared to your own parents' generations, right? The level of understanding of Sikhi has changed a lot. Um, like Even just now in this Discord channel, like how many of you guys have joined right, to listen to these conversations and even joined the Sikh Discord in the first place? There's quite a lot of people who have this ambition and, and respect and, and sadhkar for Sikhi, right? So it is changing. We just got kind of, to um, have a long-term mindset about this where it will happen. But there's also, I don't want to say too much, but this is going to be the, one of the main focuses is around um, the phase two of Azadism uh, because... As I said earlier, yeah, wealth, money is power, um, but that's, but that's not the whole equation. You need three things in order to have power. That's wealth, um, that's a, an idea, a plan, or a solution, right? And the last thing is uh, coordination. Um, if you don't have a sense of coordination or an ability to coordinate that wealth effectively as a band together uh, in order to plan and stuff, you won't really get solutions. You'll you have a you will have power. All you have is an illusion of power. Now the Jewish community have been successful in this because they've been able to band around uh, collective trauma. So if you look at their whole, like, the the idea of the holocaust, and they've been, obviously, between us, we'll stick together regardless, right, That, uh, that you'll buy from a Jew first, rather than buying from outside the community. There's a stat or whatever that's going like, in the Jewish community, $1 circulates 10 times before leaving the community. It's these sort of things that we need to start replicating a part of the sick community if we want to see this. And we need to be able to say, like, those people who get into those powers, we, as the rest of the Panthic, provide a support system for them. That if they start being Panthic, um, then they've got the rest of the to fall back on. Um, now, again, I don't want to go into that too much, because then it gets going to go into what the Phase 2 of Azadism will, uh, will be. Uh, I don't want to reveal that too much yet. Yeah
0: um so the yeah so that was the one part of the question and the other part was that now um the Sikhs who are already there right um yeah. well maybe they don't have the punches but what how should we look at them right should we be proud of their achievements and maybe, you know, they're not like Sikhi, even they're more like, you know, in their own, like, Diljid, you know, went to that Coachella concert and like then oh, yeah. forward, doing something and, you know, that this guy becomes a CEO of something, right? Yeah. But uh, we don't see them as Pantik, right? Because they never push anything Pantik forward or they don't talk much about Pantik or like Sikhs, right? Yeah. How should we be like publicly like talking about them or like how should we go forward with like, maybe if there's a way to, you know, like make them feel more inclusive and maybe get them to do something for the punt how should we go forward with the people who are already in the like mainstream already infiltrated the system you know yeah. they're part of the system how do we look at those people those Sikhs who are already there
1: yeah so the perspective on them um a lot of them it's the same way you look at everybody really you have to look about a case-by-case basis um in terms of like every one of these guys are individuals now they're all on their own personal journey with Sikhi etc as well so we really got to judge them individually but in general uh, as as an individual from the outside or from rest of the band looking at them, you have gotta take the exact same thing we're taking from every other human being on this planet. You gotta take the good and leave the bad. So if somebody's become like the president of the World Bank, we'll then see that as a form of inspiration. That yeah, okay, somebody looking like me can actually end up in that position like that. um And what, what and then you can use that then uh, as a motivator to also similarly to get yourself there. Because yeah, you might be able to like criticise their sort of commitment to bantic causes. But that only should ever bolster your own commitment to panthic causes. He goes, well, okay, if he's not doing it, then I'll do it myself. Then, and that's the essentially what I've done with the Zardism here. But like, if these all these panthic orgs keep doing these slogans and stuff, and don't want to uh, answer how a Khalistan actually look like, well, then I'll do it myself. Then, so this idea of like, okay, I'll do it myself, uh, it needs to be more prevalent amongst us. That's how we should see these people. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, we were discussing this on the Telegram actually recently. Uh, where they, we're trying to figure out, okay, well, how do you actually see, look at Arjun because the World Bank isn't exactly this. The if one guy was saying, um, you don't, you don't get to that position by, by staying clean. <laughs> and like, yeah, it might be right. It might be some sort of like, it might be corrupt as how the guy is, but just take the value from that. Like, okay, what is the, the positive mythology we can have from that compared to the, the, but also be wary of, okay, maybe he hasn't done certain things to get to that position. That's unethical. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. That's probably how I'd answer that. You just look them individually by individual. Um, and if you don't think they're doing a good job, then do it yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. As we, well, and, uh, because, you know, I'm from Toronto, so in Canada, right, we have Jagmeet in here, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so he... Uh, lots of Sikhs criticize him, right, because of lots of think that he's pro-LGBTQ, he's pro-other stuff that right. might not align with Sikhi, right? Okay. Yeah. And... Um, on publicly we all like we have seen many Sikhs who just started like bashing him a lot right saying like yo this guy is crazy we don't even he's not even a Sikh anymore right, right. And no we don't have nothing to do with him this guy is you know just like a Gora and like a Sikh body right and yeah. all that other stuff that people publicly are like Sikhs are already like condemning Sikhs publicly right so yeah. how do you look at this perspective like person like we agree that you know he definitely has those traits where like he's not very uh, panthic, and he, he does he also supporting things that are not security related but also like he is in a position where we can benefit from him so how do we look at yeah. that
1: yeah so this is something I'm guilty of myself I even got a post on Azad one of the early ones where I, I just rip into his uh, political philosophy because <laughs> he is a socialist right and I'm I'm pretty anti-socialist so uh, I don't really like a lot of his policies but the reason why I don't chase him and similar politicians as much as I was initially planning to because uh, even in the UK we've got like, um, what's his name, um, Pandesi, right? And uh, you've got the, the conservative guy, guy as well, right? I can't remember what his name is. But you've got a bunch of these politicians. You have to understand that the game they're playing, right, requires a sense of um, sensitivity of of what they're doing, what they're saying, and, and uh, what's going on around them. We're not really, as the rest of the band privy to the sort of strategies they've got because as a politician right your main thing is to be strategic um and if you're not strategic as a politician you won't really get anywhere um, and these guys to get to the positions that they have got to especially Jagmeet Singh um he has to have a strategy in place and now that may include being a sellout from our perspective on certain issues Um, So I see him as one, well, I used to at least, um, on economic issues. I think he vastly misunderstands how uh, economics works and it's reflected through his policy proposals. However, um, to even have the image of someone in that position in one of the major economies and major countries of this world is itself quite promising. Um, What my vision would be is having Sikhs in every party You'd have Sikhs in the Conservative Party, in the Labour Party, in uh, all these different parties, right, Um, and just permeate it. So regardless of who's in power, um, you'd always have Sikh representation. And now the other issue is this, that because it's so isolated, in Canada it's a bit different, you guys are a bit changing this, but um, in the UK there's not that many Sikh uh, MPs and stuff, politicians. Uh, when you start having Sikh faces everywhere in the institution, it becomes a more comfortable environment in which to speak to Sikh issues. Um, and it's natural for them. So we can say, okay, well, you're tying the bug and stuff, like be a and you're like one against other luck and all that kind of stuff. But when you're in that position um, and you've got all these pressures and stuff, you've got to feed your family, uh, you've got your own career to think about and all this kind of stuff, right? Then, yeah, that self interest motive starts hitting and it shouldn't especially if you're a sick representative, the whole point you, you tied the bug in the morning is that you destroy your self-interest for others, right? But we can't force that on anyone else. Um, but, yeah, it's a delicate thing because, uh, obviously, I, I do disagree with the meeting heavily, uh, as I do with Tandesi and all these other politicians uh, on their policies. But we still need them. Um, and we've got to understand they're playing their own games as well that we don't have all the information about. Um, so yeah it's pretty hard to answer that you, because, uh, oh actually i'm not about the whole idea that people say he's not sick anymore um the same thing having the issue with these banthik organizations saying like okay you do this you're not sick anymore right the word sick right comes from the sanskrit shishya and what shishya means is is a disciple a disciple of a guru right so we have our guru and we as sick are a shishya of that guru now each disciple of that guru does not uh, automatically mean the completely embodiment of that guru and all the teachings of it. Some people are further away, some people are a bit closer uh, on that path. If somebody's a Sahajdari Sikh, right, he's still a Sikh. So, how I see Sekhi and how I see somebody as being a Sikh is anybody who takes inspiration from the guru to whatever level and whatever degree. I do not see Sikh as a separate community or a Gaum on its own. Or, or gone on its own. While Sikhi is, is, is a Banda path, right? So even as a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist or a Christian or whatever, you can follow Sikhi and be and be uh, a Sikh in a sense. But what you can't be is a Muslim and a Khalsa. The Khalsa is the religion element of Sikhi. So there's Sikhi, the, sub, the, 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 the underlying culture uh, in which anybody can follow the Guru and take inspiration from the Guru to any extent. But then you have the Khalsa within that is a unique expression of Sikhi. Um, but it's not the only expression of Sikhi. It's the most predominant one that we, that we visually, visually see today. But there's traditionally been four Sampardas. There's been the Nahankhalsa, There's been the odasis There's been the Nirbale and there's been the Serapantis, And there's a bunch of others as well, right, over time. And like, even now, modern day, you can say there's different sort of uh, Sampardas in terms of like Daksalis and whatever as well. But those are like commitments to different paths and reds within Sikhi. But Sikhi itself... Is far more universal, and we need to be very careful in, in making sicky some kind of exclusive thing. So yeah, these guys are still sick, even if I disagree with them. They, they're, still, they're definitely still sick. But what I'd say is, that, okay, is that pro or anti cancer? That's where the conversation I'd I'd I'd, I'd have.
0: So um, just on just to um, so in that perspective, right? Yeah. So, like for example, um uh, doesn't have to be Jokic, but anyone, right, who is in a political party, definitely, you know, like because they are in that position, and because the system is so corrupt that you know the whole point of democracy is you know, the majority people, like you know, want to impress the majority, right? So they're going to do all the stuff that majority likes, right? Yeah. And Sikhs has always been in minority, so definitely, this, uh, most of the Sikh principles would not align with the person who is trying to impress the majority, right? right. But it could be, as you already said, that we don't know them individually, so maybe in under there's definitely somewhere that he they do consider them as Sikhs and probably want to follow those principles but in the public yeah. you know they do want to show this face that they're inclusive or we don't we accept everyone and then all that other stuff that might not align with sikhi yeah. but they do need it because the system is made that way democracy is all about that right yeah. so uh, i think um, what i would say and maybe you can correct me with this right that when they do good stuff like appreciate them and they do bad mm-hmm. stuff Tell that this is bad but don't just start condemning our own people in front of all the goodies that you know they're sick we don't even consider him as sick or you know what he's just uh we, he's not part of our community we don't even like him
1: and stuff like that yeah um yeah i'm not too sure because there's a, there's a it's, it gets tricky because everything nowadays is so publicly so how do I, like, for example, me, right? So I, I called out the Jaya, what's his name? Shiru, in it? Like, um, from National City Youth Federation. Because the guy's been a full, he's been very anti-caste in his behaviour, right? Um, but how, then I, how would I then call that out without that being accessible to the entire public, right? Um, obviously, I've given the avenues in which we can discuss that and handle it privately, which he's rejected every single time, hence why I did it publicly. But then we need to be less scared of sometimes the public opinion turns out, okay, what's the Gora going to think? Or what's, it, what's a Muslim going to think about this? Sometimes, right, it's actually quite a good thing in terms of um, showing that we as a community are very um, critical of even our own. We don't put ourselves, uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't protect our own if they're doing the wrong. We, we're, we're very. Um, principle-based if you're doing something wrong we'll call it out regardless of what you look like or who you are or where you belong to um and that is a good attitude to have in general but i do understand the alternative perspective that sometimes right some of us a lot don't have any chill in how to how to approach this right There, there is a way to critique people with respect and and a lot of that doesn't really seem to transfer over to a lot of people and especially a lot of people doing this is, is online um then obviously when you're online you're anonymous you can say what you want um so that's that issue as well but yeah i think i don't know i don't think it's that big of an issue really i think yeah i don't really think it's that big of a deal to be honest yeah
0: and uh so the idea where this question is coming from is it's like how can we make them work or punt right so, like, you know, if we keep splashing them in the public, right, and then and sometimes they will say, you know what, okay, you know what, I don't even consider myself a Sikh anymore, you know, I'm going to do my own thing, right? Yeah. How can we use them, You can literally literally use them, like, to help Panth grow and maybe, like, you know, make them feel, like, welcome in the gurdwaras and, you know, let them know, you know, okay, you know what, like, you know, how you, all, you talk about diplomacy, right, like, how we can yeah. give, put our needs there and, like, that. don't know, you are, you are in this position, you can definitely help us out, you know, yeah. this is what Pont needs, this is what 639 need right now. Can you help us, right? Yeah, and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think you've just answered it yourself. So, yeah, it's, it's being it's being uh, cognizant of the fact, like, if you want them to do something, be very clear what it is. So, if you want them to do like a certain thing for the band, then form a plan. Like, write it down. Right. Like, uh, this is exactly what you want to do. This is the problem. This is the solution I'm proposing. This is how it will solve it. This is the details, and this is where I need your input from. And this is your help from, right? Um, and then you should be able to then present that to them. Now, this is something that I'm doing now with the phase two. And thankfully, my Gibbana and I have been able to get access to some of these individuals. They're not celebrities, whatever. They're different. They are like more towards different sectors, right? But they're very successful in their fields. Um, but because I've produced a plan, um, and a detailed one, uh, that I can present to them, um, almost picture to them as if I'm an entrepreneur, um, it's very, they're, very, they're far more recept, uh, receptive to it uh, and you'd be surprised that a lot of these guys at that position they don't want to be anti-pantic or whatever right a lot of them just don't have a clue what's what's going on and they, they themselves need guidance so we, we sometimes falsely attribute that they actually are all put together as they are but if you have to go with them approach them with humility because obviously you need something from them then you create a partnership in a sense of that but you have to produce something of value you have to do something of detail and not be vague uh, the number one issue we have as a band is we're too vague. Like the whole Khalistan thing is a very vague notion. Um, when you ask a Khalistani, okay, how would it work? How would it look like? How would the economic policy work? How would the governance structure be formatted? How would this work? How would that work? They, they, um, they start struggling very heavily. Um, but if you come to them, um, uh, if you come and come and produce a plan, a very detailed one, go, okay, this is where I need your input. Um, this is where i believe uh, you'll be very useful in and this is about be your benefit and our benefit and the band's benefit then that's the way that's the sort of approach you need, to, you need to approach with this but yeah i mean it's very vague to say like okay how do you get these guys to uh, help the band uh, help the band with what exactly like increase education or like fund schools in punjab or whatever like that's that, even that to say that is vague right so let's use that punjab school example right okay cool you got this idea to fund schools in punjab what are they going to just give you the money? and then just hope you do it. No, you've got to produce a business plan. Okay, how? who's going to source the construction of it? Who's going to be the teachers? Okay, we've interviewed this person, this person, this person. We think they're good at this subject. We're going to get them on board. So you have to produce an entire plan. When you have a plan that's detailed like a business plan, then it's far easier to present it to these individuals, and then you'd probably be surprised at how willing they'd be to help you.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's really a great idea, I think. Definitely, yeah, if we have a proper plan, then yeah. definitely, like, they will have, and then we will know where exactly their expertise is needed, yeah. and they will also know, have a clue, okay, this, yeah, that can definitely happen at this,
1: at, the, at this specific part. You got, you got to sell a vision to him, right, because, is that, is that, what's that guy's name, is it Denzel Washington, he goes like, oh yeah, dreams without goals are just dreams, and it... Like, it's a difference between a dream uh, and, a, and a goal or a vision, right? You've got to produce, like, objectives and have, like, smart targets and stuff, right? That's the stuff when you start getting things done. If it's just vague slogans, then, yeah, don't be surprised nothing happens, which is what Khalistan is at the moment, right? You go to the rallies, then it says Khalistan's in bad, Well, then, obviously, there's no Khalistan because there's no detailed discussion of how you'd make that Khalistan, how it'd run, who'd be governing it, that sort of things. You've got to go away from sloganeering. You to go towards details and plans and, uh, and systems and, and think that way.
0: um so the other other question that came up i think already you mentioned a bit about it that the jewish community and how that one dollar runs 10 times and then goes out of the community oh yeah the question was that what's your views on jewish community and the control they have over corporations and also if you can talk a little bit like how israel like and how that had that happened and and should we go that route
1: and like how do we can like basically get educated from the jewish community on the stuff they do um Yeah, the the Jews are a good case study, and we as can learn a lot from them. Um, Yeah, I think I mentioned it before quite a bit, but but with the Israel thing in particular, um, should we go down that route? I'm not too sure. Um, Israel's been quite successful through a variety of metrics, right? Considering where it is um, uh, and the challenges it faced, it's done very well. Um, However, is it an ideal? I'm not too sure if it is. Um, now, Azadism has a slightly different way of approaching these things, um, which Israel did inform how I thought about it. Um, but again, I think that's probably more phase two and perhaps even phase three and four stuff. I probably won't go into it now. Uh, but yeah, there is a lot you can learn from Jews. And and I think from conversations I've had, Jews are actually quite willing to, to uh, talk about these things with you respectfully as well. Uh, if you can find them, <laughs> very rare. There's, there's more Sikhs than Jews. Maybe you don't know that. More, uh, there's more of us lot than Jews than there are Jews. But um, but yeah, there's a lot you can learn from them, especially their uh, their value systems um, in terms of how do they run their families, how do they um, uh, share inheritance, right? So in our community, we don't really have this culture of inheritance. The same way we how the Jews have it in terms of like when when a Jew dies uh, in the west of these successful Jewish communities die. Um, they not only give like quite a large sums of money to their children but also their nieces and nephews and this sort of thing so, so wealth uh, cascades down throughout their community a lot so in the course of your life as a Jew you tend to get massive like payouts now and again uh, as your family members like older family members die um, so that's create a safe, safe level of safety net in their community now where the youth in particular have less of a mental barrier at starting their own businesses and being entrepreneurs because they know they've got um like family wealth and that system of family in which to fall back on um i think we Sikhs are a little bit behind on that but we're also getting to a stage where we will start we'll start to build that i think as well naturally um, which is good to good to see there's a lot of this thing as well um I don't want. I don't want a lot. What I said to be very pessimistic, as well as I'm actually quite optimistic about the way we are going as a community, despite how critical I am of it a lot of the time. Um, We do have to be a bit patient, but if we want to accelerate our progress, we've got to learn off other communities. Jews are a very good example, Um, and there's quite other communities, different like sort of um, subgroups within Christianity that's quite useful to learn learn from. There's a really good podcast um, run by this Jew um who interviews different members of their community on like wealth and, and investing and stuff like that there's a really good one um that i listened to recently and the guy wrote a book about it's called like the 10 reasons why like jews are rich or something like that um, and it's very good i'd i'd probably again you have to remind me or something but um I'll, I'll post it in my telegram chat or, or on, the, on the instagram but i'd really recommend reading that it just goes into like the jewish perspective and how they use their shabbat's their like well they're equivalent Shabbos, right? taught are to to justify their behavior in terms of like okay we're using this passage here to to conceptualize how we're going to um uh do this in the business world right or, or that so yeah he's very good in terms of breaking that down and where that source of inspiration comes from yeah i do really recommend that
0: Yeah, personally feel free to share it uh, with me and i'll share it with everyone here yeah perfect um, yeah and uh, the next question, I think you already had a post on this, is about all this sick narrative, info war, you know, technology, VPN, social media, like w- what's going on with the whole, you know, since we, this uh, movement started in Punjab recently, the narrative was all controlled by these IT cells from India. Yeah. The, all the like the, they were blasting different comments on different posts. Yeah. They were like you know like all the narrative was created by them because they had paid people 24/7 working to yeah. set up this narrative, right? Yeah. So what do you th- so how uh, so maybe you can talk more on this info war and like what's going on with this and how can we do something
1: about it? Yeah, this is this is crucial really because then um, this is where the battle, but one of the battlefields is really at right now. It's not it's not head-on combat warfare. It is really information warfare, where the where the where where, where the, um, the the lie is on. The way we're going to tackle this, right, um, is to actually start leveraging the same tools they use against us against them. Now, um, this is something I've been mapping out behind the scenes as a separate thing um, in terms of creating a a sort of seek IT cell. Um, there's nothing stopping us from doing the same thing, um, and there's a lot of different avenues in which you can take that it cell in terms of infiltration of different groups you gotta remember a lot of these guys who are nationalists aren't the same sort of demographic we are so we're a bit more of a younger population right uh, who are interested in these uh in these uh, topics but a lot of the guys um, who are the nationalists tend to be like older generation like boomer generation right uh it's not that savvy so it's, it's quite easy then to infiltrate some of their groups and sort of subs, um, subvert it Um that sounds pretty uh that sounds pretty like uh pretty off but like uh, I'll show you that the way I've written it down and stuff in my notes is a bit different but like um I'm not sure I'm trying to figure out how much to say because uh because <laughs> this is a public thing right um but maybe I'll maybe that's something later this year I'll I'll expand a bit more on and how we could probably set that up um, and have dollars and stuff and also leverage ai like the chat gpt's api and stuff you can get and you can just get you can just train the chat gpt stuff or train your own language models with machine learning to just to automatically go through twitter uh, and just bombard different accounts or um, and just just uh, or, and, and have some conscious efforts as well so if you know, know some like nationalists pretend to be a nationalist gain their trust and then, and then the rest is up to your imagination, right? But there's a bunch of things you can do. Um, but obviously I'm not going to reveal it here so openly. Maybe it's something I'll try to sort out later this year if I have time. But um, sure. but yeah, that is that is something we should be uh, equally fighting back with on the same level.
2: And
0: um,
2: The next uh, question is about you know the. I think you already answered
0: the first when you started with the ekta and you were striving more towards you know creating some wealth and creating something that is useful and then go for ekta. yeah um but basically the question is what arguments to put forward for organization to get them together on one stage and and you know have a collective panthic efforts so what arguments or like how can basically we convince them or how can they
1: come on the same platform um yeah I've, you already mentioned it right so it, it's actually just producing something of value that they themselves uh want to come and work to you with this is happening with azarism now um so certain organizations are now getting in touch with me um in order to like collaborate and work together on certain things behind the scenes uh which is quite good i really like i like that a lot because um some of them are quite large um and then i've got i've obviously got the phase two and stuff which i'm wishing to work with them on so we've got meetings and stuff planned to do that um but in terms of like in general i wouldn't worry about it too much in terms of getting everyone on one stage with bunting after because we get people on one stage now right we have a lot of these bunting meetings and you can have a, you can have a whole sub of the cars so you can have like you can have like a million people turn up to one of these things if, if you want right but ultimately unless you're producing something of value a detailed plan accountability um, and these sort of like uh, actual real strategic meetings they're, they're, they're just PR efforts right and they're just a lot of people come getting around and just pumping their own egos I don't think that's gonna be very uh, um productive to be honest. I don't think Sabbath Castles how we do him now it is very productive as it is. Like you get everyone together into one spot uh, and you 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 announce a bunch of like Monday or whatever and everyone does like a clapping contest, so like do like everyone chats with Jakarta to express agreement. That's a very faulty way of determining agreement and disagreement, because the only guys are gonna come up anyway <laughs> to those things are people who agree anyway. And then how do you measure disagreement? You can't really, right? So it's it's like a really, it's it's an even worse way of doing democracy without a ballot pot system. So how do I envision the alternative for Sabah the Khalsa? It's probably how we used to probably do it back in the day with the missiles, right? Not everybody would come and do this big banter general election. What you would have is people actually working on the issues, coming together to coordinate better amongst themselves. How do we solve this problem together? Okay, I'm working on this. What are you working on so we don't clash? Or I'm working on this, what are you working on? Maybe we have some scope to work together on this. That's what I call a, a Sabrath Khalsa, not these big fanfares of what we're doing now and then releasing these random statements and we're giving authority to to organizations that really don't deserve it. Um, the only organizations and people and representatives that deserve a level of authority is the Khalsa, right? For the Sikh, the Khalsa is the Guru, Panth, uh, the Guru Khalsa Panth. The Guru the Mahārāj gave the Guru Gaddi to the Guru, uh, Guru Granth Sahib Ji he also gave it to the Guru Khalsa Panth, right? And that's very clear in our literature and in the house as well. But people seem to forget that, and we go into this leader finding mode, um, and then because we're so like we're so gone down the sheep route, and we're, we're all like buying when one guy like, one guy goes by, everyone else goes by with them. Like, this is why this is why this is my concern with. Amrit am Singh, Like I rated a lot of what you did. I really respected it, um, but. The, the, the exact thing I thought was going to happen has happened. He's come out of the scene and everyone's come back into this leader-finding mode. But when are you actually going to use that awareness to do something yourselves or are you going to keep using that awareness to try and find a new leader now to, to raise more awareness? It's just, a, it's just a cycle going on and on again. I did a post on this. So a lot of these band thing, get the band uh, orgs together and, and have one stage of one banding extra. Like you only should have a stage if you've got something relevant to say. <laughs> And the, the truth is, a lot of these guys don't have anything relevant to say. It's the same old slogans that have been going for decades. And none of it's strategic. What you should have it is a strategy meeting um, that's more private. It doesn't have to be that public. Uh, and the results should speak for themselves. Every six months, get together and say, okay, last six months, what did we do, right? What did we, what did we say we were going to do last in the last six months? Did we do them? Yes or no? Why didn't we do them? Okay, good. What, what things did we do well? Okay, good for that. Give praise to that. Okay, what are we going to do in the next six months? We'll meet back up here again. We don't do that anymore, and that's a very big shame. But now that it's like obviously with the Zardism stuff, uh, and stuff, and the conversation I'm having with certain organizations, um we'll be doing that. And that will be what I consider to be a sub of the Khalsa amongst the casa, uh not this big PR stunt. Yeah. <clears throat> the, I think
0: that's great. The next question is more towards oh, whatever we were talking about, you know, like. Making something of value, you know, getting more education and like you know, building wealth and like programming and all the other stuff, right? It all comes down to you know, like forces. You know, you have to be educated to do all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So the this is specifically because um, this was my question because uh, we in in Canada here we have been we have like a group where like things are trying to educate kids back in India, specifically kids who don't have resources to get in education. India specifically kids like under, like for, like before the 12th grade, you know, who are kindergartners. And even further on, like the, their parents can afford tuition, right? Yep. So we have uh, these two different organizations that are working really closely with the parents there. And you know, they're doing a really good job. And like, uh, I personally know things who actually went to India and verified all these organizations and stuff they do. And they think they're doing a really good job and they actually are doing some ground level work. right so we're putting all this you know money and efforts toward educating these kids right Mm -hmm. but now the concern that some things brought up was that you know okay perfect you know like we're giving them education they but again like you know like they they're getting education from these all these other hindu schools right mm-hmm. uh, even though you know that one of the org, organization did have built a, like a school like a sikhi school right where like yeah. they're te- teaching about sikhi and they're also like teaching you know santhiya and other um, stuff that will help them in like a spiritual journey plus giving them academics as well yeah. right so the question here was that what can already seen all this trend going on that everyone just gets educated comes outside leaves Punjab right mm-hmm. and some of them might get corrupted some of them like might not even you know so out of those 100 people that we're trying to educate there will be like one or two who would actually do something with the Punjab. will have the soj and the other 90 ninety people will probably you know like get the education but you know like do their own thing they're also going to come outside and rather than
1: building value in Punjab they will yeah. also just migrate. Um. Yeah this is a very good question so and I think you've answered it yourself again, but where you said if it's 100 people, okay, we have to do a survey, don't we don't no, but if you get 100 people and only one or two of them end up doing something for the band. that's brilliant because each person, each one person is worth 250,000, right? That's a serious thing. Um, we don't have to rely on the fact that everyone will do something panthic. Yeah, might, someone might be corrupt, might, someone might not really care, um, but that's really down to the rest of us in terms of those who, are, who do care, Right what value are we providing for these people to be incentivized in order to help the month? And again, if you provide a detailed plan, you'd be surprised how much people actually are willing to actually invest time and stuff into it um, that were previously not. And it's something I've realized through starting this Azadism project, right? Many people who were before who were anti-Khalistani, who just didn't really see a point in it at all, um, came across Azadism and then they reached out and said, actually, you've changed your mind on, on, on the feasibility of such an idea um or or, or or even reforming existing systems right and um, that's the way you do it you've got to show people a it's the same it's the same thing that happens in business again right so much again you can learn from just business principles and that's marketing right you've got to show people a, a, a vision a detailed vision and how their participation in it makes a difference on a deeper spiritual level uh, it's the same thing martyrs themselves would do right by showing people how it would benefit them uh, there's so many appeals to self-interest in in Barney itself, and I mentioned a few examples of this in the manifesto itself, right? You've got to always make sure what's in it for them. If if it's just to go like, uh, all right, help the band so we can celebrate another Godwater and we can get some like, um, like uh, some half a city of to sit there and read Bart all day, then yeah, probably that's not very incentivized, right? But if you if you say okay, well, help the band now, and then we'll set up a missile system in which we can go around and fight warlords in Africa. Well then suddenly that becomes very more a far more interesting proposal, right? Uh maybe you wanna get participate in that. But that's the way you do it. You gotta to try to, um, you gotta as the band itself who wants something to do, wants other people to help contribute to your cause or your band, right? You gotta show show them what, how first housing their benefit and what exactly they can do. And uh, if you don't have those things, you won't be able to do it. So yes, yeah, so you're right. Only a few people will end up doing something pante because Only a few people in society ever use their own initiative. Most people are sheep, Um, and and I'm not saying that lightly. That that is just the truth of the matter. Most people on this planet follow others because it's comfortable to follow others. It's it's difficult. It's uncomfortable to to use your own brain. Um, But when you start using the brain, even though the risk is higher and the hardship is greater, the fall of that, the the outcome of that is far greater. Uh, dubbed it as a crisis of meaning right now, people are not finding meaningful ways to live their lives, uh, and this is leading to degener de- like uh, general degeneracy. Um, so, what is the solution to this? Is provide meaning in your life, and a bunch, a sick, a religion, historically for thousands of years has been that thing that provides meaning in your life, but now we're becoming so far away from it because the religions. To be fair, and it is a fair criticism of religions nowadays, they're not providing anything of that much value to many people. You go to a Godwara now, for the vast majority of people, their Godwara experience is boring as hell. Like even to listen to Qatar, right? Qatar is this very one-way thing in Godwara. It shouldn't be like that. It should be a question answer, back and forth, and debates and discussions and sitting on the same level. The Ghani shouldn't be just sitting there with his eyes closed, half asleep, repeating some other uh, time that he's learned himself from somebody else that he's bored of learning and even the bani itself right you're doing like keetan and stuff to like uh like on a vajja with uh, like some desi uh, bollywood tunes but where's the rich rarad traditions right you can actually see with your eyes that even though you, don't, you yourself might not know how to play the instrument but you can see the mastery of that there's not a permeation of mastery and, and such high level quality and uh, stuff in Anguru guys anymore. And it's because there's so, so, so many of them, is one of the reasons. Um, and the reason he's just got, we the rest of the band to are sort of in it, not taking it to the extreme and saying, okay, how can I be the best at this? And that that's basically it. Yes, um... point actually, with this, so I wrote it down uh, about the education thing. So, yeah, that's really rated that these guys are going to Punjab and putting their money where their mouth is and actually setting these schools and providing education. But with education, uh, the it's, the results are only ever seen in the long term you don't see those results immediately so even though the efforts are going on now you won't see those results for maybe like 20-30 years uh, and that's a very long uh, payout so again we've got to be patient with this because as a society that's so uh, geared towards instant gratification we want to see results in the short term and, and you won't really see that and stuff especially with large panthic changes uh, hence why even like Azadism I say this as well this should have been, this should have been done by somebody like ages ago, far greater than I was. We should have had like this concept and these sort of philosophies, Azardism or something equivalent, not decades ago, but perhaps even a century ago, just before the partition and stuff. And at this point, we should be implementing these things and like the phase two and three and four and stuff. I've got sort of planned out. They should have been already uh, um, well on their way, um, but we're just behind on these things. So we've got to have a bit of patience now that all these things are sort of starting up now. And there's a there is there is a big change in terms of uh, interest in the Pantic stuff as well. Uh, which we have to recognize, but we will We might not see the results of that for, for for maybe a couple of decades still.
0: And you definitely, I uh, think, specifically P6, uh, things will started it, they definitely know that this is a long-term plan. We will not be seeing changes yeah. for because it's like a, you know, like a, uh, education is like you know, you could graduate when you're like 18. So definitely, it's like a 20 years goal. where you yeah. might see something comes out of it, like the so the but the question for specifically Pisa, for you because you know like um we're really interested in this that how do you think there should be another class or like somewhere we can you know like as you said you know more feeding their self-interest because you know not everyone is brahm Ghani who just want to do everything for the panther you know everyone is trying to get education because they want to you know move out to a different country because you know they want to get some money you know that's why we look for the jobs right how yeah. can we feed their self-interest like for the kids right like to, so that they can become more panthic. like should we have like a separate class for them that is panth related or like how can we make them more panthic rather than just you know it's good you know like giving them good vani santaya but also mm. having them have that mindset where they can see that you know there's a benefit in this
1: yeah if you want to make the panth more panthic, you got to make the panth more um in terms of on an individual level more carsa right so value attracts value when you have somebody who's got high value be that sangat was finding each other so you mean less concerned of like how do you make someone bantik and necessarily We've got Malaj has already told us what we need to do and that's build your bhakti uh and, and build a level of understanding of how the world works. That's why we have both the Midi and Pidi right sides of Sikki. Uh and then if you if you if you already are now in Sikki, get your nitanim sorted, right? So nithanim itself is is brilliant in terms of the psychology. Um you might sit and think like, Well, what's the point of reading this these Panjbani every morning? It takes an hour. I'm not really paying attention the entire time um, and whatever, right? But really what Nidhim does, uh, from my perspective, is actually build a sense of discipline in your mind. And that's a transferable skill. If you're able to commit to something uh, for that long in the morning as well, it's brilliant. um, Every day of your life, uh, sure, you might have some days where it's just unfeasible Whatever something comes up. But if you're making this commitment every day... That shows to your brain that I can do something that that I feel uncomfortable to begin with, right? That skill then is transferable into other things. So um, nithinim gives you discipline. Nithinim gives you an appetite for uh, for commitment. Now, that should be obvious why that is a useful trait to have in any human being because then that can transfer over to your work life, to your careers, to, to any sort of projects and stuff that you're working on. Um, and it's one of the things I always recommend to everybody even if you're not like Amrathari and stuff is just build a Nithanim if it's not Tapanjbaniya the then at least do like or build some sort of like daily ritual people have this idea that rituals are banned in Sikhi now that's not really true what what Sikhi talks against is and Bani talks against is blind ritualism doing things blindly uh, but if you do things with Pyar and Prem and, and an understanding the consciousness of what is going on whilst you're doing it um, that is very different um, but even then, if you're getting bored with Nitin, whatever, the idea that you're um, committing to something itself uh, uh, and that, you, that the best time, one of the best times to do your Nitin is when you don't want to do it because that shows your brain that no matter how much barriers you're putting onto me, how much resistance you're giving me, I'm still going to do it regardless. That shows a level of, uh, of Himata. That you, that's, that's very easy to uh, to test yourself with. Uh, um, so you can have all the, and then if you if you're used to if you're getting your brain used to resistance and pushing pushing past, past resistance, then when you uh, face resistance in other aspects of your life, then you will also then the brain will just be like so have the muscle memory in terms. Of, okay, that I recognize this this attitude of resistance, and I'm going to do it anyway. Um, so if you build a population of Sikhs that have this sort of uh, mindset, that the that martyrs themselves have, have, have taught us how to forge, then up you'll get Pantik, right? We, again, we need to be less concerned about how many people end up being in Pantik. We just got to re- be concerned on ourselves and maybe those close around us. And the best way, Kavi Thok Singh has like three ways he mentions in Suraj Prakash, how to convince somebody. And the, 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 the first way he mentions is uh, through physical violence, right, through force you force somebody to do something that's how you convince them right that's the worst way of doing it the second way is through speech you can like lecture them and you can tell them and whatever right Uh, which is better you're not using force and violence but um sometimes that's not as good as the last way which is you be the example um you want to be in a certain state where somebody goes okay wow the way that guy is living um i want to live that way because it's obviously working for him I want to work, I want to work for me as well. So you ask who is your guru, right? That, that, that's the way, that's the real way you want to convince people is to be it yourself. And again, this is why we're having a, a big um, increase in the band thing. people being panthing, is because people are actually taking that seriously, um, even though maybe on social media and stuff, it doesn't seem that way. Um, the fact that obviously you guys are coming and listening to this and joining this discord or whatever, that obviously the evidence for it.
0: Uh, I, I never heard anyone putting a net name in that perspective, and that's a really amazing perspective.
1: Yeah, that, like I
0: that, was that like you know like that sponge burning, yeah, builds a so- sense of discipline and you know mm. like and it, it it is a transferable skill and that's an amazing way of looking at it. And I yeah. think lots of youth here will definitely benefit from it like. We look at our like daily rituals that we have, you know, waking up at Amritullah, right? Mm-hmm. Because it all ties back to psychology and how Jordan Peterson and other these psychologists are putting it, you know, have a routine, do that, mm-hmm. do that, right? And I has already done it. Just that when we heard, hear it from a different person or hear from someone who can explain in a better perspective, and yeah. then we we get a sense of it, okay, you know what, this is really good. I think now I'm, now it makes so much sense to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can look, it's something that is very strong in other communities, you can see as well, like Islam, right? You can disagree, I, I I'll heavily disagree with a lot of things, that, uh, that, uh, a lot of the philosophies of Islam, right? But I cannot deny the Muslims' discipline. Like, if you look at the way they go Friday, mosque, everything, they do their own Sunday classes, pray five times a day and stuff like that. The Muslim who commits to that, I can't fault him for that. That's a very, very um, uh, attractive part of Islam, uh, despite all the things I heavily disagree with about Islam. But uh, that is very, uh, that's part of their thing that they've got proper down. And again, it's something we can learn as Sikhs as well. Like if they can do it and they're just living normal lives as well. And it's, it's just really like a couple of hours of your day. You've got 24 of, of these hours. Some of them you spend sleeping, some of them you spend working. How many do you spend like working on your own discipline? And if you clock that bit, then the whole the rest of your life gets far easier.
0: And the next question um, was... What do you know about the New World
1: Order, aka One World Government? All right, okay. Um, I'm aware of it, right? And when I first got into Sikhi, actually, I was used to being Mulna before. Um, and then I took Amrit and stuff like when I was at university and uh, kept my case around then as well. When I first got into Sikhi, oh, I never really used to be into it. Like, it was more of like a cultural family thing, like, yeah, whatever, right? Um, but when I got into it, um, it was like end of like secondary school or high school, right? Um, then I sort of like stumbled across a lot of these conspiracy theories and just like binge watch a lot of these uh, 9-11 documentaries and uh, all these kind of things what those things teach you is a very valuable skill that is to uh, think critically is to actually start (laughs) looking at the the way the the standard information you've been fed and actually understand okay what are the alternatives to this Um, now those alternatives may not always be correct um, or even logical but it's the fact that you're building a, a mindset in which you're not just going to blindly take what you're being fed um, that is a value um, that is a good value you can extract from having a conspiratorial mindset in that sense but the issue is um, with conspiracy thinking is that a lot of it can tend to be Less about the issue itself, but more about your own personal desire to be anti-contrarian, um, and that's very seductive, because to be anti-establishment, anti-the uh, norm, is something that everybody wants to do. The reason why a, a kid rebels from their parent uh, is because they want their own sense of independence, right? And it's a good trait to have. um Again, with most things in life, you have to have a good balance. So with the New World Order, I, I know I've been a bit more like meta about how I'm answering this. With the New World Order in particular, yeah, it's probably undeniable that there are elements of the world right now that have level of, of influence in governments, especially, that um, affect policy. Are they as widespread and as uh, pervasive in society and, uh, and controlling as we attribute to them? I'm not too sure. And the reason why I'm saying not too sure is because um in economics you learn about this thing called um well if you learn about economics how I'm teaching it is um uh is 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 part of the Austrian School of Economics. They call it the um economic calculation problem. And and it's basically talking about how it's impossible to centrally plan a society, uh especially at a certain size. Um and there's uh, quite a few reasons why that is. And it goes into like the whole subjective theory of value and um the different consumer preferences and stuff like that. And I do recommend to read this article. Um uh where is it the battle of isms um and it goes through this economic uh, calculation problem as well um so if they're that controlling of every aspect of the uh, of the economy and of the government and stuff it's actually impossible for that to happen because of the sheer amount of variables and stuff in play no single individual or group of individuals can manage the complexity of society in which there are trillions upon trillions of transactions happening every day um that is almost bonkers but is there a sense of like there's people are attempting to centrally plan the world yeah that is true you have things like the world bank you got things like the united nations and stuff like that and whether they are effective or not is probably a different uh, conversation but i don't know a lot of the, the the issue with a lot of this literature around this stuff is that it's um The methodology tends to be faulty as well, so you attract a lot of people who are trying to be anti-contrarian again, then people are trying to be scientific about it. But then the other issue is that there's a stigma around these topics in which there's already a preconceived bias uh, by people researching into it. So it's very difficult to determine what is true here. Um, Yeah, I am aware of it. So yeah, to answer the question, simply. um, And the whole idea of one world government... It would never work if they did uh, implement it. it, it's just it's simply economically it, it's impossible because of the economic calculation problem. It's the same reason why the Soviet Union collapsed, China collapsed and stuff because they're similarly trying to be very centralized government. You can't centralize power that uh, to that degree, especially not for long. Um, and that that's basically the history of humanity actually. There's a lot of central planning since since day one of, of civilization and the, every single one's collapsed. So, even if they did somehow manage to set it up, it wouldn't last very long. Um, yeah, hopefully that answers that. Uh, I think 20, yeah, I think that's all I want to say about that.
0: Um, the next question was What have the gurus written upon the political arena? Which text should be explored
1: more? Yeah, so um, what have the gurus written upon this stuff? Uh, a lot. Um, so, you obviously have. Um, Guru Granth Maharaj, right? And the main purpose of that grant is to give you Mukti, right? And, and, it, and it chooses the method of Bhakti in which to achieve that. The, the easiest method, the most inclusive method, uh, and probably the most fun method, right? So that's basically what Bani is, right? Uh, so that is gyan for all Sikh, and, all, and anybody can be a Sikh, and anybody can receive gyan from the Guru. What is then... Uh, unique then is that if you choose to um, practice Sikhi and practice your spirituality through politics which for a Sikh right and this is an important point that all politics is for a Sikh is an avenue in which to s- express their spirituality if you're not expressing your spirituality through politics politics is absolutely useless and you should stay away from it um, and then you can see this when people compromise their Sikh principles um, to pursue political ideals um, and that's very dangerous. And it's the same thing that happened in other religions, in which people put the philosophy of their religions to one side uh, and the principles of it, in order to, in the short, like, to to themselves, they try and convince us. It's in the short run. We'll, we'll go back to it afterwards. Is that the the end? Was it the whole like um, the ends justify the means kind of ideology? That that is very dangerous, right? But um, but yeah. So for the car Science stuff, that's the caste expression of Sikki and then Marla just created. Uh, of, of many grants in which we can learn from. Dasam grant being the, the the foremost of that. But you've also had like in Maldives, the Dabars, of which many of this stuff was lasted Is that they'd bring um, all the like the uh, the the top political scientists. We call them political scientists from today's perspective. although they were of course something else then. From around India and around like Persia and around the world kind of thing the top, the top thinkers into the Nantapura Darbar and they'd be coming in and they'd be debating and translating texts like Niti, which is like an ancient Indian text on on, on statecraft and, on, and even like um, there'd be Persian texts <coughs> on these topics and uh, Hibdudesha as well Every every like king would re- read Hibdudesha and Maharaj themselves would read it and they've got it translated in, in the Nantapura Darbar and there's a lot of these grants and stuff that were translated a lot of that has been lost um, but one major um, writing, the, uh, which is which is uh, Gurugobi'sanjisbani, is Um and that is a series of four hundred and five mini stories. Or some of them are quite long, actually. But the, the four hundred and five stories um, of like, the, like deceitful things happening, like women and stuff, like cheating on their husbands and husbands cheating on their wives, um, and also like their wives sort of like fighting battles and stuff like that. So there's all sorts of stuff in there, right? And these form a platform, and they're all then they're stories that are not just made up by Maharaj but they're also extracted from like traditional Punjabi folklore. Uh, you've got Hindu like Mahabharata's in there, you've got stuff from like all the Persians' tales and stuff we, uh, put in there as well. Um, it's basically build like a massive set of stories to teach the cast how to think strategically and what the world is really like. So, Guru Gansuji makes it very nidimal, um, which is what Maharaj themselves found out when nobody stepped forward to uh, when Guru had Bahadur got Shahid and then when the Mughal said okay step forward if you're a Sikh of the Guru or whatever nobody everyone got scared kind of thing right and the Maharaj saw that because this whole like Santika that's been set up by the preceding Gurus have made the band very minimal, which is fine you'll still get multi that way but now there's a time and a need in this game that we are playing in Maya to um, to fight against tyranny uh, in order to protect the, 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 the Sant on that Maharaj right the, the Sikh and, and and others um, and therefore, mother is giving Dasambani just like any responsible parent would give their child education on how the world is really like, in order to prepare them. Um, and Jitta Pekan is a very good example of that. And I, I think I mentioned it earlier. I'll probably do some posts on it as well, some different Jithas and what lessons we can learn from it. So yeah, Jitha Pekan. And people maybe we don't really know, but the job base I've been reading, Anitha Bani comes right at the end of Jitha Pekan. So you've got all these four hundred and five stories of like all these like and stuff are happening. And right at the end Maharaj my life, there's in order to protect us against uh, those things. So people don't realize what is Joppa asking for protection from? It's from all those 405 stories to give us strength and the buddhi and the vivek to recognize when we're being duped and recognize all these uh, different tactics and slight sli techniques people are using against us and how we can employ some of these things ourselves in order to pursue Kasa ethics and Kasa. Class- Princely states, and uh, so again, not very relevant to the republics and democracies and modern bureaucracies and stuff we live in today, but still a lot of the world leaders still read it. Why? Because the mindset in which the author approaches those topics with is very strategic and very useful. same with so um there's a, there's, a, there's an element of practicality there in the way they're approaching problems that we can learn. And it's very inspiring, actually. and It helped inspire this manifesto as well. So even though I disagree with many parts of it, I understand where it's coming from and understand the genius behind it, too. And it, and it echoes the traditions of the Anantabha Um And what other texts should be explored more is that uh, I'm biased, but there's <laughs> this manifesto. I really recommend to read that, too.
0: <laughs> For sure, by um, I've gone through it. It's pretty deep yeah. and um i think i think we have to do it i do go through a couple of times to like get it yeah yeah, uh, yeah. good good first time you just can't get it because it, because specifically if you know from an economic background or like you don't have a clue what's going on
2: yeah
0: yeah um tkg uh, i think that's a really good answer and the next question is also i think uh, very important to many of us here and uh, it's basically trying to find the difference like what is the
1: difference between azadism Yep. maharaja ranjit Singh's Raj and missile period. Okay, brilliant. Good, Really good question. So, um, in the manifesto towards the end, I actually addressed this um, in a bit of detail, not too much, but um, I'm actually in disagreement with uh, maharaja ranjit Singh um, that he should not have centralized the missiles into a Sikharaj. I think that was a mistake. Why do I say that? is because the missiles are very successful in terms of what they achieved. They kicked out the Afghans and the Mughals, and they set up a system in the Punjab region of providing very, very um, crucial functions of what a state does, and that's security. And they meddled very little in the economy as a result. Um, now, when Mahalaj and Jising came in, the, the pretense is that all these missiles are fighting each other, and Mahalaj and Jising came in and unified them all. That is... Um, I don't think that is that accurate yeah there's probably some truth to that and the missiles sometimes did fight with each other but it's been overplayed how much it is um satanam singh of denmark uh, i think it's I'm singh sdk on uh on instagram he's writing a book actually on on this topic and my husband, thank you, really lucky let me read one of the chapters on it and it's on this topic and he actually debunks a lot of the um common misconceptions around the missile period that they weren't just warlords just sort of like random that they're, they're quite a sophisticated system. Um and there was actually debates going on that Maharaj themselves, right, Guru Gomes and you said that the Guru-Gadhi now goes to the cast of Panta as a collective. So there's a debate between the Sikh intelligentsia of how would that look? Would it be like um is this having a Sikh raj in terms of kingdoms the similar way the Mughals and stuff did it? Or is it a bit more like on an individual level, maybe towards what Zadism is trying to achieve? Um obviously they would, they would never say the words are didn't exist back then, but that sort of like underlying philosophy, and the sort of compromise they came up with was the missile system. Now, it wasn't perfect, I also critiqued some parts of it in the manifesto, and I offer how we can improve it in order to implement it again, because I'm very heavily pro-missile system um, if we do it in a very particular way. Uh, and again, the manifesto goes into what those adjustments I would make to it in order to prevent um, some of the, the, the harmful outcomes. But uh, so how does Azadism sit uh, amongst modern and Singh and the missile system? So Azadism promotes the missile system, but it makes a few adjustments. Instead of being tax-based and land-based, it does it client-based and desplander-based. Uh, what does that mean? Same way you might have a household of a family, right? And each member of that family might have a different subscription service to different phone providers, for example, right? Um, so covering that one household, it would be three or four different phone phone companies right the same way the missiles could operate so as an individual you can take a you can uh take a subscription for security services to a particular missile now that missile covers your household in terms of providing its security upholding the non-aggression principle member i mentioned right at the start uh, and preserving your property rights now if your house has a couple of members you guys might have like a family package for example or you can have multiple missiles covering the same household so what we would see is actually instead of having one missile for a particular area that like we had in the last time we tried this method, we'd have many, many, many missiles covering the same area, the same way you have many supermarkets covering the same town or the many different, I don't know, like uh, uh, Netflix subscriptions and all, diff- all the different sort of, sort of services covering the same locality. It's not based on region anymore. There's this conception of the missile system. It's based on the client. On the, on the person and in return the person pays them this fund. and if they don't like the missile and the missile's not serving their interest anymore they withdraw their with this the fund, and they'll pay another missile right or if they don't like any of them they'll set their own one up it's just like b- businesses in a free market would, would ideally work as well uh, and that way you get you avoid this problem of like having one monopoly on force which is what you have today in modern societies like the whole like um I don't really like the whole ACAB, like uh, defund the police movement. I think it's very misinformed. But the, it's undeniable that the police forces are no longer serving the interests of a vast, uh, a, a large pop, uh, proportion of the population. But the population does not have a choice. Hence why. The police are going to be funded regardless of their choice. Uh, they're always going to be funded by taxpayers' money. But if, you're, if they're now paid based on performance, then they have to start taking into account the customer and their clients' interests uh, which is what you're seeing in places like South Africa so the South African community got so fed up of how ineffective and incompetent the South African government's police forces were all these PMCs came in um, and private military and private um, security companies came in and they're providing a lot of the security for different neighborhoods and the people then will willingly pay it um, because they provide far, level, far better security than the government can provide right and it's a competition amongst them so if they don't produce a level of security better than their competitors will then the, the people will pay the competitor not them so there's a whole like natural selection at play. Um, that's how I envision the missile system working again as well and they're constantly competing for clients amongst each other um, and that's how it worked. But in terms of the Jee Singh's Raj, the, re- the reason why Mahalan Jee Singh's Raj worked so well is the same reason why it collapsed because it all relied on the competency and the benevolence of the ruler Thank God, Mahalan inducing was largely a decent guy so he understood the importance of uh, being secular and how helping other communities, investing in certain projects and that sort of things, right? So we didn't really experience any tyranny. And hence, for, uh, therefore, our perception of the Sikharad is very romanticized in terms of, like, that was a Sikharad, we really, had a really good education race and all that kind of stuff. But we really had that because it relied on Milo thing. But there was no guarantee that his son... Or his son's son, or the generation down the line, would continue that legacy. And history, I've mentioned in the manifesto, is littered with the examples of the progeny of kings falling into tyranny, or, or, or um, just not just not living up to that to the level of the the founder, right, the, the first king. Which is what you saw in the Persian Empire, right? You had like, um, what's his name, Cyrus the Great, so revered, even the Jews called him a Messiah, the only non-Jew to be given that that status, yet. The Persian Empire, the accumulated Persian Empire set up because it's so successful. The kings, like his sons and sons and sons, like Xerxes, etc., grew up in such luxury. Uh, so, the, so the, you the might have heard that saying like, "Oh yeah, good times create weak people, weak people create bad times are bad that 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 saying right, Campbell, right now." But that that what happened there was that that the kings had no longer an understanding of hardship, of understanding of the people. They just grew up in a life of luxury, and they just lost touch. Um, and then became, and how that created weak times, right? The empire became weak um, bureaucratically. And then I mean, when the Scythians and stuff came in, uh, uh, or the, and the the um and the Greeks as well, uh, they, uh, ultimately, yeah, um, Sikandaran, that's um, his name, Alexander the Great came in, just steamrolled them all. Because the, the institution became rotten from the inside. The same thing would have happened with the Sikharaj after a certain point. Yeah, we started off strong, there was no guarantee we would carry on that way. What we're doing then is by centralizing all the power into one group or one family or one sort of like center, central planners is you're putting all your eggs in one basket uh, and when you do that that's inherently risky and this is what Zardism is trying to be the opposite of. Don't put your eggs in one basket. Allow the, the risk of tyranny to be diversified uh, and that's what a missile system does. That's why I like the missile system a lot and I think we should try it again with the Zardism's uh, adjustments. <clears throat>
0: And that's a good analysis of looking at things. Um, specifically, like I, I think I agree on like definitely the part where like you know like having, if it's uh, centralized, you know, then definitely there's lots of um, danger around it because it's just one person, and that's exactly what happened with Maradjanji Singh. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And Gigi, next question is: Can we build a state within a- another state? These can govern themselves with their own private system while living in like the land of England. How do we build up the, to this level?
1: Yeah, brilliant. Actually, I really recommend reading this article I've got on the screen at the moment, the Battle of the Islam ones, because it sort of touches on this. Um, what even is a state? Right. So when I say the word state, I use it interchangeably uh, with the word government and even government, um, I'm using it to refer to the involuntary systems that we are subjected to in today's age. However, if we look at it from a pure definition standpoint, both those things can exist in a free society, right? So the word anarchism, right? So the anarchism is a philosophy where you don't have a single government running the society. But that does not mean there's no governance. It means that the, the associations between people are held on a voluntary base basis. Uh, and at any time, if you do not like a particular organization, you can leave, right? And For those organizations to attract members, they have to provide an incentive. Maybe they pay them or maybe they give them a certain role, right? Did that sound familiar? It's it's because it's a business. A business are states within states. You have a same same way you have like a, a monarchy, essentially. You've got the king at the top, the CEO. You've got all the ministers, all the managers. And then you've got all the employees being the subjects, right? These are little mini states within the state. We don't see them in that way because of the, the terminology and stuff. This is what I was saying right at the start as well. We've got to understand what the words mean uh, from the root in order to solve solve problems. So when you have um, what we seats can then do is actually set up our own corporate governance systems. We can set up our own businesses, which are states within states. But what you guys are probably asking the question in terms of is that can we have a state in terms of like a border with lands and like a way of living there? very difficult to do in modern day age but not impossible and one example of this is um osho so uh, i'm not sure if you guys seen that netflix series of um, what's it called wild wild west i think where there's this guy there's this um like baba from india comes over like it's fairly spiritual he did like a um, a whole like commentary on javtisab as well uh which is pretty good but um the thing turned up ended up being like this weird sex cult um, and they set, but they basically set up this um, this city called Regnesh R- uh, I believe. I think that was the name. Um, yeah, you we recognise it. Yes, yeah, so they had their own police force. There. They had their own schools. There's a whole little city there, right, within America. Um, obviously, that failed because the actual com- the actual management of it was was crooked, uh, and the actual central state uh, actively worked against it. So it's very difficult to do nowadays, but it's not impossible. You've got to just come together, buy the land and then see and work with the regulators of, your, of the, the host country. Um, what we're also seeing now is this arrive, um, um, the, the rise of special economic zones and smart cities. So Saudi Arabia is investing in these heavily, South America. Um, yeah, and there's nothing to say that we cannot be doing that. Um, and it's something I'd like to do later on in the later phases of Azadism. Uh, to explore further, and I probably said too much by saying that, but yeah, th- these kind of things we should be invested in. I'm actually, it's funny you should actually mention this question because the next post I'm going to post on the is Instagram is on um, Sikhs and city states, which is basically uh, talking about the legacy that the Guru made. That they, they themselves would set up townships and cities like Ramdaspur, uh, like Amritsar, uh, like Hargobindapur, and Nantapur. They just bought land and they set up their own little systems up there, like their own towns and stuff. We don't really do that anymore as Sikhs. I don't know why we. Well, I do know why we don't because it's, the capital costs are so high nowadays, and the regulations make it diff, difficult. But yeah, that's a very good ambition to have as Sikhs to do that, and it's a good alternative uh, intermediary to have a Khalistan where instead of banging our heads against a system that we know is not going to just give us any land like that by begging it, begging it, and protest or whatever, let's actually go around and provide something of value, set up special economic zones around the world. Um, and That's what we should be able to do um but yeah hopefully we'll call that a bit further later on
0: yeah definitely i think that that is definitely a good idea i think and uh, i think it all also will give it like a, on a smaller scale right it's it's achievable you know because it will not require that much effort and also it will be a good model to see how things goes and we can do some experiments there as well right on how like economy gonna run and how that's i think that's what Guru have did even like you as you mentioned those cities and Kadur sahib and other stuff yeah. we started with Kartarpur, right that yeah. Guru have established this established it and then you know had things going how they wanted to get how they wanted to run right yeah and in the cities they had the power so i think rather than going from khalasthan well, we, we should uh, like strive but first like to get an idea you know like have a land where people's security is there and they're doing their whole stuff their own way
1: yeah i mean you, we constantly hear like one of the common criticisms for Khalistan is that like, you can't run a god how you can run a country right and um to be fair it's a very valid criticism and it's one that i used to say as well like these godware are our opportunity to experiment with statecraft uh before we go to that level um, and you got to remember right uh, yeah it's not it's not You've got to have a business plan. So I say, I say this to people as well, especially in and I say it too, that you're trying to start a state, right? But you haven't got a plan. Uh, you don't start a business without a business plan. So why would you start a state without a plan? It's not shareholders' wealth at stake here. It's people's lives at stake, right? It's millions of people's lives at stake. And what we should be doing as Sikhs is actually being very entrepreneurial. The reason why Israel worked as it did is because there is, the Jewish community was very entrepreneurial, even at that stage. It's one of the reasons why Hitler killed them, because the Jewish were outperforming many of the other... Um, communities in Germany because they were so entrepreneurial they were owning the businesses etc etc right and that's the whole like this uh, greedy Jews these kind of these uh, racist sort of of because of their entrepreneurial nature Um, and then when you got like people like Netanyahu who for all his faults the guy's probably like uh, actually probably probably quite evil Um, but he is one of the few leaders on this planet that actually understand economics Um, if you actually listen to an interview with him with um, Ben Shapiro I don't really like Ben Shapiro that much He's a conservative, trying to be a libertarian. But, um, but there's a good interview that they both did with each other. I really recommend everyone to listen to it because it shows, actually, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli Prime Minister, actually has an understanding of how economics works and how he implemented reforms that helped propelled Israel to be one of the most successful economies of today. He turned deserts into arable land. That's a very hard thing to do. Uh, and they did achieve it. Like you've got a whole very advanced economy in the Middle East. But, but yeah, businesses our opportunity in the West, especially now to experiment with statecraft. You have your own, like the, the treat your corporate governance policy as the constitution of your mini state within a state. That's what a business is. We've got, we've really got to get away from this concept of, um, of, okay, money and business and profit is bad, but statecraft and like taxes and all this kind of stuff is good. You've got to really understand like what, what these things are fundamentally in the level. I'm going to recommend this article very a lot for this concept, especially because it go breaks down exactly what an organization is and how it differs from a state, and we realize actually that the state and an organization are very similar concepts.
0: Yeah. Um, the next question is: How can we slow down or stop outsiders from using us as PR? They're so specifically talking about outsiders as in
1: non-cigs using us as PR. Mm. I think that serves us. <laughs> more than it serves them a lot of the time so I wouldn't unless unless you give me a more specific example I don't really see that as much of an issue that much um especially in terms of hunger so there's actually one article I did um where is it this one here so the Sikh socialists is like a, a group and um they wrote this thing where um the whole like longer and stuff is treated as a PR stunt rather than um, like ways to actually go and go on and solve world hunger and stuff like that. Um, but obviously I was arguing back because um, they really misunderstood economics and they bring it in unnecessarily. So I was countering it. This is, this is a counter article essentially to that debunking the claims. But nothing's stopping hunger from going to solve world hunger. But the strategic benefit of having Sikhs being associated with free food serves us a lot. Um, And it's very underrated how much that serves us because a lot of the time, especially in the UK, you go to like Random Guardian and stuff, right? And you say, oh, do you you know about about Sikhism? Well, the the, the top things I'll say that Sikhs do is free food. Um, Mentally, that's extremely advantageous for us and we need to learn to figure out ways how we can leverage that reputation rather than tarnish it. Hence why I put so much effort into this article, pushing it back against that. Um, That kind of PR thing is something that, yeah, outsiders are using it, but we should be using it ourselves as well. Um, it's only going to be a legal service, but hopefully that answers that bit. I recommend this article if if not.
0: Um, uh, the next question is, what is happening is that some information within Sikki begin either within, is being withheld or hidden to, um, you know, suits suit s- individual's ad- agenda. How can we change this to educate our youth correctly upon Sikhi?
1: Um Some information within Sikhi is being either withheld or hidden to suit an individual's gen- agenda. Alright, So with this, right, everybody on this planet has an agenda. That is undeniable. Everyone has a bias. Um, we have to be more concerned with what exactly is the agenda, which is not always very clear, admittedly, which is fine, right? That is part of the task. Um, how can we then change this to educate our, our youth correctly upon Sikki? Again, I think we touched on this a bit earlier. The best way, if, you want to, if you're if you seeing an issue in terms of how Sikhi is being practiced or not being practiced, the best way in terms of um, remedying that is to be the example yourself uh, and be present in your Sangat and showing how that example is beneficial in your life. Because what, what have we really got to hide in Sikhi? Right? There's nothing really here that's not beneficial to someone. If you really believe it as, a, as a sick, you believe in Sikhi. You, you genuinely believe it improves your life. And I know that for a fact from my own life, right? So we should not have any insecurity about that. So as a result, live life as a sick It's the best possible way you can. No flower blossoms just on the inside, right? Blossom on the outside as well. Choose a path of Sikhi. Kaza is one path, a uh, prominent path. Path that I chose, path that most people chose. Uh, and it's a very visual path right and you can show uh, other Sikhs that by following this path it's helped me uh, achieve this amount of wealth, helped me achieve this amount of success here politically, helped me achieve this amount of success here to, in charity etc cetera, etc cetera, right and that inspires others to follow that path with you. In terms of agenda, um, you are right that there are perverse engenders within our community of which some I try to expose In this article, there's an agenda, Socialist Sikhs, right? They have a socialist agenda here, right? Um, I don't have a problem with people being socialist, I generally don't. Um, And especially with socialist Sikhs, I don't really have
2: anything against them. It's just that if they're
1: willing or not, right? But there are certain groups, who I've called the Neo-Khalistani, who have very perverse agendas. Um, and they claim to be themselves representatives of the band, but yet at the same time if you bring them ideas that challenge their worldview they respond with threats to violence um, and they have committed to those violent acts as well. I myself have got threats to violence from some of these groups right yet they have massive followings and everyone just like blindly follows them and likes and whatever they does and oh yeah these are the right uh, but on one hand they're doing that on the other hand then they're threatening things and making false allegations and there's a lot of evidence for this kind of stuff so um it's really like understanding what the agendas are at play um and then competing right we are in a marketplace of ideas and if you want your idea to win you've got to prove to others why your product is the best the same way a business does um if you believe the way that you understand Siki is beneficial and and able to uh, uplift the lives of people and and fulfill the your understanding of Sikhi then live it that's the best way to do it
2: Uh,
0: the next question in addition to the question number 11 which was about the new world order this is about the world economic forum and you know of course the founder of it what do you think about this
1: um I don't think too much about it. I just see the World Economic Forum, the World Bank and these sort of organizations as just attempts at central planning. Um, I don't like certain policies. I, I believe it's uh, Klaus Schwab. Um, if I'm thinking of the same guy, the guy looks like a demon, but they're trying to set up this thing called um, Central Bank Digital Currencies. That's extremely dangerous if they set that up because what that means is that they can, the government then can centrally control what you spend your money on. Um and they can track your spending. Now you might think, oh I've got nothing to hide, I'll just spend whatever. But they can start saying, okay, well, okay, you actually drove this much yesterday to go to some event. Um but that's not environmentally sustainable. So we're gonna ban you from driving the next day or make you drive a little bit less. So you can't buy you so you can't buy petrol above a certain limit. So the government's now essentially planning the economy. Now if you understood the economic calculation problem, you'd understand why that's so dangerous because if the government's planning the economy, there's no market prices. No market prices uh, means that there's no sustainable way of understanding what resets of resource allocation are effective and efficient. Now, the worst case scenario of that is that what happened to the Soviet Union is when they start centrally planning the prices and the economy is that people ended up starving to death uh, because the government's malpractice. So we have to rely on the government's benevolence and competency in order to make these decisions on our behalf. Now, anybody who has even a slight understanding of history would realise that trusting a government to centrally plan your decisions is farcical, right? <laughs> they do not have your best interests at heart. So let's not let them have these powers. We need to do everything in our power to ensure that the government has little power and ultimately no power. Um, the, 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 the way you're going to have a free society it's by having a not free, <laughs> a gulam government, right? Because we have to understand that government is meant to be the servant of the people, not the other way around. And so much throughout history, it has been the other way around, where the, gov- where the people have been the servants of the government. That isn't the way that society should be structured, and we're suffering because of it. And I see organisations like the World Economic Forum and, and the World Bank and these kind of things as efforts in which to maintain that status quo of consolidating government power and expanding its influence now in terms of specifics and how that kind of stuff works, I don't look into too much. Um maybe something I'll look into more. If you want to send me anything of like these that I should be reading, uh yeah, shoot them through. Um we should be raising awareness of these kind of things as well.
0: Uh by some I just wanted to make sure they're not taking too much of our time because there's still a few questions.
1: Oh yeah, i
2: will I'll let's go to um are
0: similar to Kali Fula Singh Ji. We all have heard about their sakis on him and how he conducted his duties at Akal Taka Jathidar. And, you know, of course, not what, not talking about chopping heads off, but on the drive that he had to lead the Panth.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it reminded me of a saakie, actually. Like, <laughs> the, the, the British came to the border, right? And uh, Kali Fula Singh saw it and he lined them all up and chopped all their heads off. And <laughs> obviously, that's a bit, like, not palatable to, like, <laughs> the modern sick, right? And uh, there's one guy who, like, he didn't want, he cut his gear so right, he sent it to him and then he came for his eyes or something, right? So, yeah, I mean, um, there, are, there are things <laughs> that are like Akali Fullah Singh today, right? A lot of them exist in Dalpan. Um, do I think we will ever have a Jatada similar to that? Um, I don't think we should strive for a Jatada being that. The position of a Jatada, right, is only ever a caretaker. So, we have this big um, conception of what the Akal Taqt jathadar is. The Akaal Jatadar isn't a position of any of that large relevance. Um, what the position of relevance is is the Jathadar of the Khalsa of the Khalsa Panth. And that's historically been Buddha Dal. Henceforth, why the jathadar of Buddha Dal would be the jathadar of akal at the same time. So, I wouldn't put too much stress on trying to figure out who's going to be the best Jatadar to sit in the akal because the guardhouse is just a parliamentary building, it's, it's the meeting place for that side of the class I mentioned earlier that should be happening, uh, where the cars comes together. So all that that's how the other guardhouse should be doing is making sure the place is ready for those every six month biannual meetings or, or something. Um, those. So what's, what I'm trying to say now is, uh, with the with fulasing, everything can be a kalyfulasing. There's no, there's no, there's no. Um, sort of uh, idea where like we have to kind and find somebody and instill them into that position uh you've got to be in that position yourselves and rule your own mind in that self like the whole like idea of Kasa Raj is like wherever you put your foot is karsaraj and you should be the just out of your own mind first and foremost and finding less of this idea of being uh, finding someone else to rule on your behalf that's what would really means to be uh, karsar um the next
0: question is what I mean, oh, sorry, it's uh, in Punjab. Do you think physical fighting would make a difference? Are we seen as too weak or pushovers
1: in India? Physical uh, made a difference. Um, I don't think we're seen as too weak or pushovers. I just don't think a, a violent conflict at this point in time would be any way strategic. You will not win. That's just a fact of the matter. You will not win. There's whole this yeah, you can have this idea of like yeah, the castle never gets defeated and the castle will win. Sure, fine, whatever, right? But yeah, look at the practicality of this. It's not just your lives at stake here. You might be happy to give Shahidi, right as the castle, but are you happy to make all your family be Shahid? And this is the sort of thing that's going on with like passing at the same time as right, um, and not the she's in the eighties as well, which which actually how which which undeniably hampered the uh, the growth of that movement to sustain itself. The, the enemy you're fighting is not honourable. It's not fighting soldiers against soldiers. It's fighting against you and then take your whole family with you. Um, innocent people die on both sides, right? And it, can get, it gets very dirty very quickly. I don't think that's a situation we should get ourselves into again. Because um, it won't work, firstly. You won't get a Khalistan at the end of that. You'll end up having the whole region turning into an Afghanistan. And all these people like crying about Punjabis leaving Punjab right now well, why are they going to stay in a war zone? They're going to want to leave even more, then, right? There's no business opportunities, no employment opportunities. There's going to be even worse drug epidemic, I am just been depressed. So, a war zone situation right now of armed struggle is, is very, very anti progress at this point in time. There's other situations where it's more uh, in line with uh, that's probably a better strategy for that time, but for our time right now, this is not the way to do it. And I've got a post in which I outline this argument in far more detail on my Instagram called Armed Resistance is Futile. I highly recommend you to read this because it outlines my argument clearly here. Um, yeah, so that's all I'll say for that one.
0: Uh, the next question is, what do you mean by getting together as a community? Do How do we use our money as a community? Where should the money be directed? Who will be the
1: figurehead of the community? Yeah, okay, so this is... um. I will not answer it <laughs> because it's, it's more phase two related stuff. So I'll, I'll leave that for then. Uh, in terms of figure it again, the same thing I said about leaders, start finding leaders and be your own leader. Uh, we don't need any figureheads. You need to produce, we need results. We don't need leaders. Uh, we've got loads of leaders. Uh, we've, uh, we've, got, we've already got the supreme leader, Guru Gobind Sanyumaraj, right? uh, Guru Kasa Pant is our leader. So we don't need to find any more figureheads. We've got plenty of them. We need to have results now. Um, in terms of where should we be directed, again, everybody has ideas where if they were given a million pound how would they use it to solve the month right you'll get like a bunch of different opinions what we facilitate is a situation in which we can start making that a reality uh, and devote funds towards it but um yeah i won't answer that more than that that's more phase two related stuff
0: Andy, do you feel all the anti ntc agencies presence in uk might label you as an extremist uk seems like an india 2.0 at this point um, I hope not
1: because I'll have to go back to India at some point so I don't want to be labelled an extremist <laughs> but, I, but genuinely a lot of what I say here is not extreme, I do not call for violence um, like, unlike other actual uh, uh, um, neo-Kalistanis who lack all strategy and common sense I do not call for violence um, so that by definition does not make me an extremist what I am or at least I'm trying to be similar to how like Milton Freeman and Thomas Sowell and these economists were they were heavily anti-state in fact Milton Freeman probably had more of an effect of reducing bureaucracy and power than a lot of these uh, revolutionary movements do Uh, why because he worked within the system in order to completely revamp policy Um, like the whole draft in the US right where everyone had to go join the military Uh, Milton Freeman was was one of the largest uh, influential factors in getting rid of the draft um, and stuff like that, like Estonia and stuff, they really completely reformed their economy uh, in order to be one of the most prosperous economies in Europe at the time. So, yeah, So this is the sort of like avenue I'm trying to go towards. I'm, I'm not trying to be an extremist, I'm trying to be an economist. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, UK's in India you know, 2.5 people? Yeah, I don't think it's that bad in the UK. The guys who are crying about it and whining about it, especially this Bloom thing, right? It, it's because the Bloom report that came out successfully called a lot of their uh, uh, BS out and they didn't like it um, and if you actually read the bloom report which i mentioned in the stories recently a lot of people have actually haven't read it if you read it it's become quite clear who exactly the bloom report was talking about and those guys have just now hid behind the rest of the band and saying oh yeah look what they're saying about the, the sick band." but really the guy the guy in the report was saying khalestine itself isn't a subversive ideology it's some of the proponents of it the minority proponents of it well Threatening other Sikhs and uh, being anti or whatever, over rights. So I do recommend reading the report. The guy's methodology was stupid, or whatever, that's fine, right? And who the hell is he to even write about it in the first place? And he's probably most definitely a sellout, uh, the Colin guy, right? But uh, he did hit a lot of the points on the head. And <laughs> there's, there's, there's anti Sikh agency presence in the UK, sure, from foreign agencies. But there's also anti Sikh uh, presence amongst our own bunting institutions. I'm not too sure at this point in time, given some information I'm privy to, whose side some of these banthic Orgs are on? Um, especially these neo who, who I call out now and again, because um, at the beginning I thought they were just being stupid, but you can't be that stupid, so my position now is that either you're you're working for the enemy, or you're so dumb you might as well be working for the enemy. I'm not too sure yet what it is, um, but I am sure of this, every sick needs to be very vigilant who they follow including me right be very uh, critical of what I say one of the good indicators here is that I'm open to debate on any of this and disagreement right? I don't mind I'll talk to any of you guys right but when you go to certain organizations and try to talk to them and they shut you down or they don't let you have certain opinions then that should be red flags that why why are you as a calling yourself a panthic institution or panthic organization not being accountable to the panth um that should be red flag uh and it is a red flag for me um So that's how we see it. I don't think the UK is basically just serving its own interest, right? It's seeing trade deals with India, and it's realizing well, if we serve, if we if we pander towards the Sikh community, those trade deals and stuff that we're reliant on uh, may be jeopardized. And the Sikh community are not providing any alternative uh, deal. So why the hell would we serve the Sikh community's uh, um, interests? It's just literally real politics again. Um, I don't think we'll get that bad in terms of like censorship, if you're not an idiot. Um, if you are some of these color standing groups, then yeah, you probably are going to feel it. I mean, you're asking for it. If you're going to keep openly announcing your intentions uh, and not listening to people's genuine advice to you guys, be more strategic and, uh, and think about what you're saying and doing, then what else do you expect? You're going to get yourselves raided and you're going to get yourselves censored and all this kind of stuff. You're not using your brains. You just keep fighting the problem head on. All right, that's uh, my answer there.
0: Yeah. Yep. Uh, the next question is: what is your main end aim? For Azadism, how big will, it, will this get? Uh,
1: main end aim is Azadi. <laughs> we'll get to Azadi, but I recommend reading this post, uh, Goals. Um, it's uh, on my Instagram again. It goes through the seven goals of at least phase one of the Azadism project. So it's not the end goal, but it's the end goal of this phase one. So it's what I'll go from quickly is just increase the economic, le- economic literacy in the panth, Uh provide foundations for long term planning in terms of the mindset required to build effective governance systems. Uh, solutions uh, number three combat the rise in pro central planning ideas within the band through both direct ideological confrontation and offer compromise where possible which i have done um, encourage increasing consolidating investing wealth within the Bund for the benefit of all people everywhere this uh, goal is going to be more in towards the phase two stuff now but um a part of phase one i did start the SIG business directory which is still up you can you can contribute to it uh, and you can view businesses and stuff on it. i just didn't. I just put it to a side for now in order to focus completely on phase two. Um, but yeah, that's the important part as well. Um, 5. Inspire future generations to draw from Azadism as they get more embedded and involved within the existing systems or establish new ones. So, how I mentioned earlier like Jigmeed Singh and these other politicians. I'd love for them to sit down with me and me just like trying to convince them of like, a, instead of being a socialist or whatever, wanting to be an Azardist and promote this ideology or maybe set up new political parties in the future in which uh, I hate the Libertarian Party maybe we should be a, a unique caucus within like how the Mises caucus is in the US Libertarian Party we could be an Azardist uh, caucus within it so yeah this would be the foundations for that um, and number six provide realistic and practical uh, practicable plans on how to uplift the poor destroy poverty and maximise human freedom and prosperity which is the ultimate aim of any political effort a stick should do that is what you're trying to aim for in the long term help the poor, destroy poverty, and maximize freedom and prosperity, right? Um, and the seven, break echo chambers, hold the organizations accountable, representatives accountable, spark debate, and move the discourse forward from vague notions of Azadi to detailed frameworks on what Azadi looks like and how to achieve it. That's basically the seven sort of aims it. And I think
0: that's a, that's a very detailed answer, and then definitely people should go and de- go in more details while reading to the. We need yeah. through that post of goals. Um, the next question is, will you create courses about learning about economy, economics
2: Sure. yeah, I can't
1: give a financial advice uh, <laughs> but I invest more in a long-term passive way because I ain't got time to sit here and stop pick. I don't have the uh, supreme knowledge of institutional investors and if you actually look at the literature 98 or something like percent of people who actively invest end up doing <laughs> worse off than if you just left it an in index fund but um uh yeah we'll create a course learning about economics politics the course wise i'm not sure i don't want to be a scholarly effort forever i want to actually start implementing this stuff so it's a very different way i just recommend reading the manifesto and going through the posts and the articles on the on the website, and then also contributing yourself. That's the best way to learn, because uh, when you're writing, if you find a topic area you're passionate about, and seeing how you can apply statecraft so, etc into it, that's how you learn. That's how I learned it. Um, and then if you send it to me, I'll read it, and if it's appropriate, we'll even post it on the website. Uh, so let this be a community effort. Um, how to manage your money in terms of managing money and stuff. Yeah, that's how I said it just now. Um, I did have an article planned on like all right, like nine different ways you should invest as a sick. Maybe I'll post it at some point i'll see it was part of my bitcoin <laughs> article like i was trying to like bash bitcoin but i never released it um we'll see i'll see i'll think about it or we'll, we'll, might might release that still
0: yeah.
1: um so yeah the thing
0: then the next question is are you planning on partaking in any in-person debates or discussions with different organizations like nsfy you
1: oh sccc educational council i think i and and Seeks. yeah um nsyf um i've i think i've thoroughly burnt the bridges there (laughs) so uh, he's one of the guys who uh who's currently wants to smash my face in so (laughs) i don't know how that would work in person (laughs) but um yeah i mean i was up for debating them in person i mean i chased him for a year a whole year i chased the guys like okay let's meet let's meet let's meet let's have the discussion they're doing private in public whatever you want we just kept running away and uh, it got very frustrating and obviously I've, I've written a um here he is i've written a uh, statement on uh, if you go onto my website i've got it in my link and linked here somewhere but i've got a whole statement of what happened there um uh, where is it if you write down a and then you put slash like neo uh, that's nk i think it's that's nk for neo khalistandi i've got a whole series here of like what happened and the whole like debunking the neo Palestinian mindset uh, and one of them is a statement against NSYF uh, and, and why they should <laughs> what they actually like in reality um, but yeah I would still debate the guy if, if he came out and, and apologized for his actions and showed some humility then yeah I'd, I'd do it I'd happily have a debate with him I was seeking it from the beginning we actually organized one to have a sit down and, and air out differences and the coward never even turned up that was la- the last straw for me so I was like well, well screw it then I, I don't want to interact with this guy anymore so, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, fair enough, look, if they want to have these debates and stuff and they've got to make themselves uh, uh, available for it, um, but it just, it just goes to show that I don't think their intentions are pure. Um, and then again, with the information I'm privy to, I, I really don't think interacting with them any sort of deep level at this point is probably actually uh, strategic at all. Um, In terms of Sikh education of council, I believe that's like Nojuani stuff. Yeah, them them guys are quite good. I like them. We actually have something planned. I need to chase them up on it. Where It is more private though, uh, where we're going to meet in person and go through the manifesto like with like economists and stuff Um, and socialist Sikhs. I know some guys who are part of that um, and I actually quite like them. Um, We disagree, obviously, (laughs) but um, they seem they're, they're open and there was a talk of us doing an in-person debate. I just, I think neither of us had time to sort it out, but maybe we'll see. A, a lot of the effort now is gearing towards um, just preparing for phase two at this point in time. A lot of this academic side of it is going to be put as secondary priority. I'll still like engage with it and stuff, and uh, putting content out, maybe at a less high rate, uh, and having debates, etc. Obviously, I'm actually going to do next year. I to have some debates on the um, so right write the end of the manifesto. I list a couple of questions that still need answering. Um, that I like the band's input on, um, and I might create a little think tank in which we do it privately, uh, which I'll open up to everybody if they want to join. There, I think go for, like an interview and stuff, uh, so on the same page, etc. But we'll just debate some of these questions here that I've listed. Uh, so that's where the debate really needs to be. Um, but yeah, that's probably um, that's probably it with that. Yeah. But the mm-hmm. next question will be the last one.
0: Okay, sounds good. Hanji, so uh, I'm probably going to ask that as well, but someone already asked it. So how can we support you further, you know, with whatever you're doing? You're doing an amazing job. I think lots of people have learned a lot today um, with this whole talk. So we definitely would like to know, like, how can we support any efforts that you're putting forward or in the
1: future? Yeah, that's really, um, yeah, I really appreciate it. You guys are always supporting me right now by attending this and listening to me ask you all these questions. I appreciate that massive way to support is to actually just engage with the project um you can support financially in terms of like giving donations which i use to like fund different materials like print manifestos and like that kind of stuff um so i don't take any profit myself because i work i don't need the money so everything that i do raise just goes back into the project um but i don't coach at this point in time because i don't have any use for the money at the moment so i don't really don't need to don't really need any donations but um if you do want to support at a high level it's just write for azadism if you like to and just like and share and follow these uh follow the, the azadism page and read the manifesto that's a great way of supporting it um yeah and just, just in general just just engage with the project
0: sounds good um, so just a few things you already uh, did a reference to. Uh, if you can just uh, share it, I think I will I'll probably send to you as well. You know, yeah. the podcast you talked about, like with the Jews, you know, that person that you were saying, oh, yeah. Um, and um, I think the book you were talking about, about the misconceptions of missiles, I think someone
1: wrote that book.
0: Oh, it's not about
1: it, the it's still, it's still in production.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, the oh, it is. I thought it was already out. Okay,
1: no, not, not yet. I think he's trying to release it later this year, maybe Decemberish time, but I think he's still writing it, yeah.
0: And I think uh, the other part, uh, part you mentioned was um, South African government. I think that could be also something that uh, mm. really piqued interest and would like to know more about that. And like this is a good way that we can implement the police system and maybe make it better, right?
1: Yeah. For the yeah.
0: competition there.
1: That's it. That's and
0: it. Uh, also that interview you talked about with Ben Shapiro from Benjamin.
1: Oh yeah, Tiga. Yeah, send me this in like a text message or something, or on Instagram, and then I'll uh, I'll get the links for you and, send, and you can share them.
0: And, sounds good. Yeah. Uh, but by so we we really want to thank you for coming and taking your time. Uh, you're probably really busy with the project, and now you're already talking about phase two. So I, I definitely know that you're busy, and you still took time to come out and also answer almost every single question that I had. It's all there. And and, how many were left? Um, uh, just two, which is also like not really a question. Is thing people think just the comments but yes oh, okay. I'll, see. Yeah. Okay.
1: I'll i'll quickly address them then like in, uh, really quickly just just to finish it off <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay people say that Caesar claiming uh color Kyanda. yeah brilliant do it <laughs> you guys got my support whatever you call it just make sure the policies and stuff are good um and as artists right i'm biased obviously um and 28 how can we make uh 1 billion provide 1 billion pounds worth of value <laughs> that people want to trade you 1 billion lastly you sound like you're from Birmingham. Um, nearby not too far away i'm near i'm near leicester but uh i was born in birmingham so maybe that's why <laughs> but yeah that's that. that it. i think that's completed them all now right and you you did
0: yep all of them yeah. every single one of them so that's amazing by you thank so much for coming and taking your time hopefully we can uh, do another talk with you once your phase two is out, and we're probably going to have more questions yeah. and more Points to discuss on, but mm-hmm. thank you so much. I think you guys you're doing a really amazing job, specifically with educating uh, us here and all the Sikhs and bringing this perspective forward and making this, you know, like a practical approach. Yeah. like the Sikh, Sikh ideology, and also you know, like the references you give from Panth Prakash. It's really amazing that you how you're tying it, and also giving those references from the history and how gurus have done it, how they have uh, developed cities, and and how they were running it. So it's amazing that you have that historical knowledge plus the current economical knowledge about uh, the world. Yeah. Now, all credit to Maharaj.
1: Uh, it's this, demo just is merely a mouthpiece here, but um, but yeah, if, if anyone wants to get in touch with me. Ask more questions etc uh, you can do from my instagram um as fish i'll, get, I'll send you the links and stuff as well you can share it through we oh, already if, shared yeah, the instagram link with everyone yeah yeah and then um, just just get in touch with me if you guys have got more questions or want to connect with me or anything
0: and sounds good thanks so much for coming and taking your time we really enjoyed the talk people are already commenting that was very insightful so we really enjoyed it thanks so much